everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, as you know, since we're in quarantine, I've been covering some movies, and I thought, you know what, I'd look at my calendar, it's my Stranger Things calendar, it's right in my face. Today is April 22nd, otherwise known as Earth Day. And I thought, you know what, I was planning on doing this movie at some point, but I'm like, Today sounds like a good day to do this movie. And of course, the movie in question that you're wondering, what movie are you talking about? No, it's not a Disney nature film, but it does deal with nature and flowers. Still haven't gotten it? All right. The Secret Garden from 1993. Yes. A young, recently orphaned girl is sent to England after living in India all of her life. Once there, she begins to explore her new, seemingly isolated surroundings and its secrets. And apparently there is a new Secret Garden coming out starring Colin Firth and Julie Walters, who Julie Walters, you would know, played Mrs. Weasley, the mother of Ron Weasley in Harry Potter. Also, the one that I was most familiar with before I saw The Secret Garden from 93, because I never saw it in the theater, was 19... I didn't even know this came out in 1997. This is like a Hallmark... Is it a Hallmark one? Let me look. Yes, Hallmark. came out in 87. Um, a neighbor of mine had... What in the heck? A neighbor of mine... Is that Colin Firth in this too? Hey, that's Barrett Oliver. Oh, cool. Holy crap, he plays adult Colin Craven. Okay, I need to see this one, the uh, Hallmark one. Wow. But anyway, um, yeah, that was the one I was familiar with first, and then I came to learn about The Secret Garden. You know, as a kid, they always put the trailers on the television. My history with that also is... When it was in theaters, it was around summertime, um, we had a Fox Kids field day with Miranda. I mean, if you guys aren't from Michigan, you probably don't know who Miranda is. She's a lady that never, never ages. She still looks the same now as she did when I was 10, 11 years old and doing the field day at the, um, the youth fair. And, of course, one of the things you could win would be a poster of the secret garden. And I remember my aunt um, was trying to wrangle her youngest son who was, I don't know if he had ADHD or ADD or whatever, but she's like trying to get him to focus or something. She, Would you like a secret garden poster? Either they were giving them away or they might have been free because there's probably a bunch of them. And he just looked at her like, those are for girls. And he takes off running through the field parking lot. And I just remember her chasing him through the cars and just busting a gun. You couldn't not laugh. Because the kid was like, if I was 11, he had to have been like maybe eight, seven, eight years old. And it's just, it was just funny. <laughs> but um, when I was about 13, 14, I was visiting my mom and she had the Secret Garden movie. She let me borrow it for the duration of forever. And um, yeah, I just, I'd watch the movie and I saw it as an adult too. And I just, I like it visually it's beautiful and 
the music in it is the score of the movie is just flows great with the visual of because she's in England and it's just the land there's I've never been I want to go I want to go so bad but um yeah this movie's got a 7.3 out of 10 based on 34,000 oh my gosh 866 ratings we got Kate Maberly who plays Mary Lennox the main character of course if you saw that crappy TV movie Stephen King-based The Langoliers, she plays the uh, visually impaired girl wearing the sunglasses who can also sense things about... Go on YouTube. If you want to watch something funny, go look up the Nostalgia Critic reviewing The Langoliers because that is so... And, of course, we in that we also have uh, the guy Brandon Pinchot. Is that it? Bronson Pinchot? From, uh, he played Balky on Perfect Strangers. <laughs> I gotta play this clip, guys. I can't not because it's hilarious. It's gonna make you want to go and go look up the Langoliers. <laughs> I'm gonna play this because this is hilarious. This is Balky as Mr. Toomey freaking out on a plane because he's gotta go to an important business meeting and he is having a meltdown on the plane. And it's just, you can't not laugh at this because it's just so funny. up yes that was brandon or um, bronson pinchot um so unbalky like but go find that movie <laughs> go look up the nostalgia critic review for that movie you were wet you will wet yourself laughing busting a gut laughing from that just that alone of course, the next person on the cast list, you know her, you love her. If you are a fan of Downton Abbey, you can't miss this lady. Maggie Smith plays the Bertie Mrs. Medlock. Oh, I'm going to rip into that lady. No, look, there's no tomorrow. We have Hayden Prowse, who plays Colin Craven, Mary's cousin. We have Andrew Knott playing Dickon. Who is a, I guess if you want a home life and love interest, um, it's uh, Martha's sis, uh, Martha's brother, Dickon. Everyone's got, the only ones that seem to have first and last names are Colin, Mary, Mrs. Metlock. We don't know her first name, or maybe we do. John Lynch, playing Lord Archibald Craven, is going to be Colin's father and Mary's uncle. We have Walter Sparrow playing Ben Weatherstaff. You would know him from, he played Duncan in 1991's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He played in Now and Then, 95. He played Crazy 
Crazy Pete? What in the world? What is this ad? I don't care about Glee cast right now. Oh, he was in Ever After, The Secret Garden. So this guy was not in Turner and Hooch. That was some other older white-haired man. This movie was directed by, oh boy, I'm going to butcher this name, Agnieszka? Agnieszka? Holland? And, of course, the writer, Francis Hodgson Burnett, who the book was by. And, of course, the screenplay was by Carolyn Thompson. Cool. All right. Do we got any any trivia whatsoever? Connections? Connections? Secret Garden 49. Seven episodes of a television series from, uh, in 1975 of the Secret Garden. We got the Secret Garden 87. 1919. Oh, my God. How old are those people playing children? Secret Garden 49. Secret Garden 52. 19, my good golly, there's enough Secret Garden material here to whet your appetite if you are a fanatic. So, yeah, there is some trivia. I, I kind of want to wait and maybe do that at the end of the movie. So, um, as you know, if you've been listening to my reviews for a while, a lot of these movie reviews tend to stretch between two and a half to three hours long. Just depends on how detailed I get into it, if I'm playing a little bit of clips, stuff like that. So that way you're getting the full movie movie viewing experience from me. I lo- That's what I'd love to do. I'd love to just watch the movie, explain it, comment on it. You know, then you guys, you can go out and look for the movie on... Um, you know, one of the streaming sites, buy it off Amazon, because I'm sure this, my reviews will make you like, I want to go see the movie myself. And you're like, yeah, I've seen the movie. I agree with all that you say. Oh, no, you know what, on this, I, I, I think I disagree with what you're saying. Yeah, well, you know, if you guys have opinions on, on the movies that I request, that I request, that I review, <laughs> if you guys got movie requests yourselves that you want me to review, just go to lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. A lot of the stuff I'm focusing on is primarily going to be in the 1990s area, like a lot of kids' era, a lot of kids' movies from the 90s that we all grew up with. So scheduled for May, I'm going to do Honey, I Blew Up the Kid in early June. I want to touch on, you know, it's just like the Mighty Duck series in January, February, March. The Mighty Duck series, you know, one, two, three, and then Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Already reviewed that one. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid is in May, and then Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves is going to be in early June. And of course, I do have a movie that will be kicking off summer, 1993's Dennis the Menace. Yes. So without further ado, let's get into this movie. I have not seen this in a long time. So I'm really excited to revisit this, especially for Earth Day. You know, seeing the garden, you know, it's wintertime, it's cold, and then as spring approaches, you see the buds start to bloom. Seeing the sunlight and the, the flowers blooming might perk up my otherwise dismal bleak. I mean, it's overcast outside right now. I think it's going to rain. 
but um, seeing these flowers, these bright colors might help, and the sun might help kind of boost. Isn't that true? Like, sometimes the, the energy in the sun and, you know, bright colors kind of boost your enthusiasm or boost your, your mood? Yeah. So, the beginning of this movie opens up with Mary Lennox being dressed by the house servants? And it's really, it's painstakingly slow. You just, you see her in her undergarments. You see them put the dress on her, her stockings. And, you know, a lilac colored dress and bow in her hair. And she just, blank expression on her face. Like, this is how her uh, day in the life of Mary Lennox is. She's not like, yay, I'm dressed, I can go and play. She's just very solemn looking. A sad, sad girl. So we do get narration from Mary Lennox. I can't remember if it's throughout the entire movie, but she's just letting her, us, the viewers, know that her name is Mary Lennox. She lives in India. It's very lonely and boring there because she's sitting outside. It looks like she's on a beach you know, sitting in sand, playing with sand, and just very boring. She says that she was born in India. It was hot and strange. Well, if you were born there, wouldn't you eventually get used to your surroundings? And she's speaking like somebody who went on a trip somewhere and they're just, or they were spending like months there and they just couldn't acclimate. They couldn't adapt. They couldn't enjoy themselves like they just... so wow <laughs> this is very uh this is a down movie everybody i mean mary her mother's getting dressed for a party and of course mary says her aya her aya like dressed her and took care of her watched her babies and like her nanny whatever you want to call her and she flat out says, my parents didn't want me. So clearly she was one of those oops babies that, uh, yeah. She was not a planned pregnancy, apparently. She was an oops. Like, oops, didn't pull out in time. As she's narrating, we get her saying, Mary, like, saying, it wasn't my fault. I was dressed too early. I want to be with you. And she grabs onto her mother's pearls, her pearl necklace, and just rips it right off her neck. She also says how her father was, like, part of the military and she, Mary could never go to the party. So this kid just seems spoiled right off the bat. I mean, I get it. She's lonely. She doesn't have friends. Her parents didn't want her. What kind of an existence can you make out of that? We get, we look outside Mary's window because she's kind of watching the celebration or go on outside her window. We see a young boy just dressed in like jewels and in a, in a turban and he's sitting in a little um basket thing atop uh an elephant. And Mary's like, I didn't cry. I didn't know how to cry. We get it. You don't know how to cry. Okay, good for you. I know. Eventually you'll I mean, you know, Candace uh what's her face? Uh what the heck is her name? Uh, she did the voice. Cameron Diaz. Candace. Cameron Diaz, in uh, her character in the holiday movie, could not cry either. She had the same problems you do, Mary. And she was an adult. She could not show emotion. Until the end of the movie. So, spoiler alert on that. 
It's a good movie, by the way. I really like it. So we're still in her parents' bedroom. She's got a little miniature carving of an ivory horse. She's hanging out under her parents' bed, which... Don't do that if you're a kid. That is just... You're going to hear some things you don't want to hear. Your ears are not meant to hear at that age of 10. Just don't do it. Don't they even nowadays they make beds where you can't really get underneath them? Like the box spring or whatever is so low to the ground. I don't know. First Mary's like, my parents always thought about themselves. And it's just like, you guys are going to end up with another oops baby if you keep continuing what you're doing. Because the mother, like, forgot her fan in her room. And she's like, oh, honey, you didn't have to follow me. He's like, oh, I wanted to. And he, like, grabs her. It's like, ugh. Um, and, of course, Mary's like, if only I'd thought differently. I mean, if I'd have known that I would have lost them forever, maybe I would have thought differently. No, they still would have been selfish and, and really conceited individuals that really you would still in their minds be that oops baby. There's an earthquake. Her parents are dead. Pretty much cuts right to the chase. Like, we need to get to uh, Craven Manor or whatever it's called. Misselthwaite Manor, I think, is what it's called. Let's get to that. We know. We just we only needed a little bit of backstory. Mary Lennox, India, 10 years old. Her parents are selfish. She's an oops baby. And earthquake happens, her parents are dead. Let's move on. She's going to be shipped to a place with all these other children that are also orphaned, due, probably due to the earthquake or other orphaned children that have lost their parents along the way. Oh my gosh! Getting back to this bedroom. The bedroom is like on fire! And she's under the bed! What? How did this start? How? Oh my gosh. Okay, um, look, she did escape, clearly. We didn't see it, but six months later, she's in Liverpool, England, with a bunch of other orphans with signs around their necks. So, we hear, it's like a lot of siblings are all just identified with numbers. And it's almost like they're putting them on an auction block just to get the kids, like, oh, we got some kids here. They go to the highest bidder or something like that. I don't know. Or maybe it doesn't go like that. Okay, I don't think they're being auctioned off. I think that their distant relatives have come to claim them. The kids run to this one woman who's dressed in fur, and they act like they know her. Okay. And this one guy's like, my boys, my boys. These two uh, young, upstanding gentlemen in, uh, everyone's wearing black. Almost like they're at a funeral or something. Everyone's wearing black, and it's rainy, and it's icky out, and it's just... Blech. Number 43, Mary Lennox. And, of course, all the kids, she's got this... Because she's got a, a sourpuss face and a piss-poor attitude to go along with it. Uh, they're like, Mary, Mary, not quite contrary. How did your garden glow? Grow? <laughs> glow. <laughs> it's like, ugh, and this poor girl... Just like, uh, I've been having to hear that all the way on the boat from India to England. I can't anymore with this. Even Mary's dressed in, well, her parents did die. These are probably, that's probably her morning outfit. 
你们那 M O R N I N G， it's M O U R N I N G， like a funeral attire. Aren't you supposed to like if you're mourning like for a parent or a lo、uh, loved one, spouse, whatever? You're supposed to wear black for like a month or a year. I don't know the cutoff date. Like, girl, he is calling your name because now he's got to get one of those little bullhorns. Like, number four day three, Mary Lennox. And the girl's just like, cause she makes her way to the front of the kids, and everyone's laughing at her. Like, dude, she's right there. She's the one being laughed at and sung to. Of course, you see these other kids go off with relatives or people that just happen to be there, and they're like, "Oh, I want a kid. I'll pose as the relative that they've never met before." So of course, it's much later. The guy is there. All the kids have been picked over. They've all been taken to new homes and with their relatives or people posing as relatives. Here we go, Miss Metlock, Mrs. Metlock, Professor McGonagall. Is here to come claim her. Like, says Mary Lennox. She's the housekeeper of Misselthwaite Manor for the Lord Archibald Crippen, uncle and guardian. Okay, so clearly, um, the parents must have had a will and named him. Like, if something ever happens to any of us, heaven forbid, she's yours now, basically. <laughs> For heaven's sake! Right away, she's like, "What a queer, unresponsive little thing." Well, her parents did just just die. Granted, she didn't really care for them. They didn't care for her. Um, but she's been through an ordeal. She never seen you before in her life. Can't imagine if I was in this situation and someone's like, "I've come to claim her." I'd be like, "Who the fuck are you? I've never met you in my life. I'm not going with you." I don't care who. I've never met this Archibald Craven, my supposed uncle that you say. Mm-hmm. No. Stranger danger. Stranger danger. I am not going with you. But she goes because, well, what else is she gonna do? Is she gonna go home with that、uh, guy who is handling the auction? I don't think so. He doesn't want her. You know, I want her to like smile, maybe smirk, or show some sign of inflection. With her face, she just looks like a drowned rat. She's wearing rag—I mean, not rags, but black—because she's in mourning, and she just—it's the picture is dark. A lot, you know, you can barely see her face. I get it; it's nighttime, but come on now. And it's not gonna get any better because the、uh, Mrs. Metlock, Professor McGonagall—I'm just gonna call her Professor McGonagall because Mrs. Metlock, ugh—and、um, They're gonna go on a carriage ride. It's gonna be dark. Mrs. Metlock, of course, is gonna give her the four one one on her uncle, and Mary pretty much just gives like a, a head nod or a shrug of the shoulders. And I don't know who you're talking about. They call her a plain piece of quince. Is that a rock? I don't know. My gosh, she knows how to just hand it down to her in the worst way. Oh, her mother was a beauty. She certainly didn't hand it down. Like this girl got none of her good looks. Well, have you looked in the mirror, Professor McGonagall? Because you, yeah, you're definitely not bringing the boys to their knees. I'll tell you that. Or the yard. This guy, I want to slap his face. He's like, oh, she might improve as she gets older. And like he puts a hand to her face. He's like, dude, don't touch. It's like children change and. Uh, Metlock is all like, "Well, she'll have to change quite a bit. Ugh, she's ten, ten. 
She's like, well, there's not much to improve her at Miss Thwaite Manor. Like, whatever. Can we move on with our journey? I'm sure she's tired of being, uh, talked down to and just, like, I mean, would you stand there while someone's belittling you and then the person who's there to pick you up is also belittling you and agreeing with each other? Ugh, I am not going anywhere with you. Okay, so we do get a little bit of light inside the carriage who can actually see their faces, so that's good. And, of course, Metlock is just saying, your uncle won't trouble about you himself about you i'm like then why the hell does he want her couldn't he have just refused like i know i said i would take her if something happened but circumstances being what they are i'm not home enough to really give a crap i already have one kid i don't even take care of so yeah oh she's yeah like i said she's giving mary the 411 on her uncle saying he's got a um issue with his back, a hump on his back or something, and if that wasn't a cross enough for Amanda Bear, his wife had to weep and die on him. Like, well, I'm sure that wasn't a planned death. Things happen. The whole time, Metlock is, like, eating a piece of cold chicken. Like, oh, I'm gonna enjoy this piece of fried chicken here while I uh, tell you that your uncle doesn't want you, and your aunt is dead. Oh, your mother didn't tell you? And, of course, Mary's like, my mother never fucking wanted me, let alone talk to me. So I'd say, no, she never mentioned it. She didn't tell me stories. She didn't give me her background. I didn't even know you. Ex none of you existed until just today. Here's a piece of information that will come back later. Mary must have just blocked this out because turns out it's her... Her mother's sister who's a twin who died her husband is going to be watching or not watching um taking mary in wouldn't that be weird this place is like really really foggy it makes me think of the movie the others that is such a good movie great for october it's so <sighs> The imagery, it's not beautiful yet. It's going to get beautiful. It'll be bright, colorful, sunny, blue skies eventually. But right now, it's extremely overcast and gray. And there is a young boy on a white horse. His name is Dickon. We will learn that later when we meet his sister, Martha, who is a housemaid. Well, everyone pretty much has been let known that Mary will be coming to live at Misselthwaite Manor. For heaven's sake, this lady, you're practically home, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna eat these hard boiled She doesn't even offer, well, I'm sure she offered something to Mary, and Mary's like, Buh. no. She, I'm, I'm sure she's like, eh. No, her, her, her answer to, do you want fried chicken? I got some eggs here, you want some hard boiled eggs? And she just, like, stared straight ahead, like, I'm deafing you out right now. It's like, oh, at last! There's Misselthwaite now. Like, it's a person. And they're, like, at least maybe a mile away from the, this ginormous mansion that looks like uh, the Beast's place in Beauty and the Beast before. You know, once the, um, the curse was put upon it and it was all gray and gross looking. Yeah, that. 
Oh, so Matlock is going to tell Mary what she's going to do. You know, you're going to go to bed for a few hours because I really don't want to have to deal with you as soon as we get there. I got a lot. I'm like, she, if you've seen Downton Abbey, she is like the Mrs. Hughes of the downstairs. Yeah. All right, so Mary is in her bed. She actually managed to fall asleep. She's got her ivory elephant in her hand. It's kind of like her uh, version of a Linus's security blanket or blue bank blanket or stuffed teddy bear. Yeah. So, of course, she's awoken by some... You know that. She's like, what in the heck? I mean, <laughs> a place that big, I'd be like, okay, clearly there are ghosts in this house. Cause, uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised. So I'm going to play this clip where Metlock, oh, Metlock is actually delivering, like, supper, breakfast, lunch. I don't know what it is at this point, how long she slept. And, oh, it's got to be breakfast because she's like, Mary like gets out of bed and she's like, has her arms out all ready to go, like, Aren't you going to, like, dress me? Like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to dress you. At 10 years old, you should be able to do that on your own. <laughs> That's a big bed. I wish I had a bed like that with a canopy. Here's your breakfast. But I'm still in my nightgown. So? You can change after you've eaten. There are new clothes in the wardrobe. <laughs> Who's going to dress me? <laughs> I didn't expect to. You're not to touch anything, and you're not to go wandering and poking about. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. So, of course, Matlock comes in with the breakfast, and she's like, oh, uh, here's your breakfast if you want to eat. And Mary's like, well, I'm still in my nightgown. And she's like, well, I got some fresh new clothes for you. I picked them out myself, ordered them from a catalog. They're in the dress, the, um, the whatever, armoire, whatever you want to call it, dresser, I don't know. And she's like, well, I'm supposed to eat breakfast in my nightgown? <laughs> and it's like, what, you can't dress yourself? You're 10 years old. She's like, my IR dressed me. Her, what? And the thing is, I mean, she's probably had someone dress her since she came right out of the womb. I mean, her mother probably was like, oh, I have my baby. Here you go. I don't want to, I don't want to see my baby. Don't want to talk to my baby. Don't want to smile at my baby. Nothing. Here you go. You raise her. I'm going to party. After I recover from, you know, childbirth. So Matlock, of course, is like, look, we got a lot to do. And she even says something like, what did they do in India? Carry kids around in a basket? And Mary, of course, jumps to her feet on the bed and is like, how dare you talk to me with that disrespect? And, of course, Matlock just looks at her like, oh, my gosh. Look, this room is the only room we can go into. There's a hundred rooms here. We got a lot of things going on. I don't want you poking about. Just 
hang out here, eat your breakfast, and I don't know, stare out the window. It's pretty overcast. You're not going to really see anything, but probably just stay in here. Oh, by the way, your uncle doesn't want to see you. Just wanted to make that clear. Don't ask for him because he won't come and see you. Even if you make an appointment, he won't come and see you. And you can't see him. Thank you. Okay, well, that's going to take forever to eat. It's probably cold and gross. She's got, like, oatmeal porridge. And she's, like, testing it with bites. You know, putting her finger in it. Putting it, like, oh, that tastes all right. Like, you use the finger method. You're going to be at that till dinner time. But then again, I mean, where are you going to go? You may as well. Hmm. I'm sure Metlock left you a spoon. Maybe some milk? Maybe a little sugar? You gotta have milk and sugar in your oatmeal. Well, that's what I would want for my oatmeal. Yeah, she just looks really like, ugh, it's got that icky skin on it. Ugh, no thank you. So, she goes to the window. It's overcast, rainy, gross out. She just sees, like, muddy road and stone retaining walls. I don't know what those are. And there's like four windows there. They all pretty much look out at the same thing. She, of course, is trying to put some shoes on and she's having a time. Like, these stupid shoes! They're too tight! That's probably because they're new and they haven't formed your foot yet. You might want to make sure you wear socks. Because you never know if you're walking around, your feet start to sweat, your shoes are going to stink. Definitely. And you're definitely going to want to wear socks because you don't want, like, the... the the hardness of new shoes to be rubbing against your ankles and you're gonna get those sores on your ankles. Ugh. Finally gives in like fuck this throws it across the room. It's so damn dark in that room. There's no electricity. I mean they she doesn't even have a lamp going. You can barely see. I'd want light. Something. Hell you might as well go back to bed. It's like the power is out and it's like, well, it's 8 o'clock at night. I mean, it's not my bedtime, but I guess I may as well start going to bed and pray for uh, sunlight tomorrow. Again with a... Mary's like, what the hell is that? Those giant boots that she's trying to put her feet into. It's almost like a kid like trying to put on their parents' like long like, like cowboy boots or big... You know, a, when you're a kid trying to put on your parents' shoes and trying to walk around, you know. Sure, I did that as a kid. Who didn't? Wow, someone actually, uh, aside from, ah, we have father. I think that's what he said, father. Maybe he said papa. I can't tell. Maybe think of uh, Elle from Stranger Things in season one when she was calling uh, Dr. Brenner Papa. Papa! So, Mary doesn't have to look very far to find that there's a hidden door behind this tapestry on the wall. Hmm, so she can escape in and out of this room without someone being the wiser. Smart girl. But then again, what else are you going to do? You're probably going to, if you're stuck in that room, you're going to be checking every single nook and cranny in that room. Like, there's got to be a way to get out of here. I mean, come on. What if there's a fire? There's got to be an emergency exit other than the window. We're on, like, the second, third, fourth, fifth story. I can't tell. She opens this little trap door behind this tapestry, and that moaning ah, gets louder. 
Mary's on a... Is she on a mission? I think she's on a mission. Well, we get a little Mary Lennox narration, and she says pretty much to us, the house seemed dead, like a spell had been cast upon it. Hey, just like Beauty and the Beast. She opens the door to the out. I'm thinking it's out, so I can't tell. Where is she in this place? But a bunch of pigeons or crows or ravens or what have you, like, sp like start flying in her face. And she's like, ah! Is this like an attic? Where in the hell is she in this place? This is a place that there's already no electricity and it's so dark. It's like you're going to get lost. I got lost on my first day of high school and bef before I had even had a tour of the place. And I still managed to get lost. And it's just a two-story building. <laughs> She's in a room that looks like it belonged to a woman because there is a cracked mirror. There is... Uh, brushes, combs, vanity mirror, uh, looks like could have been makeup, but it looks like the place has been taken over by plants because you just see plants, vines on the walls, just all over the place. So I'm guessing this is where her mom's twin sister, like her own private little room, maybe? She even sees a lot of furniture that's all draped in like white cloths. There's a picture of her mother and her twin sister. I think her mother's the one that's all dolled up with a hat. She looked pretty dolled up in the beginning of the movie. I'm surprised she's not wearing like a bunch of pearls. Her twin sister, I don't know what her name is. Do we learn it? Um, she's like a free spirit. She's got her hair down and loose and wild, like she's a carefree girl, where of course Mary's mother's more like a well-to-do, hair up, and under a hat. Oh, that's interesting! So because they're twins, they both have the same type of dressing table Mary notices, and they even have the same twin ivory- I was right on the ivory, ivory elephants! So she's going to take that one too, maybe. Of course, Mary says the trunk broke off. So the picture I was just talking about of Mary's mother and her twin sister, it's actually a picture on the vanity. And of course, Mary's like, oh, mother, there you are. I remember how you didn't love me. And you always went to parties and ignored me. And then you died without telling me you loved me. And it is here that she finds this old-fashioned key. It's a metal key with, like, some lattice work on the end. It's like a brass metal. Brass and metal are the same thing, I think. Anyway. For a place with a hundred rooms and a moaning, crying boy that we'll later see, and Mrs. Metlock saying, I'm so busy, I just have so many people that I have to oversee that run this household. It's like... Pretty damn quiet and dark. Speak of the devil! She looks down a few flights of stairs and there is actual activity on the ground floor. People hustling and bustling and then you hear them. You're like, oh wow, people actually live here? I, I thought I was the only one for a bit. The house is so damn quiet you couldn't tell. It's because she's like three, three floors up. Can't play this clip because she gets closer to the moaning sound, and all of a sudden it's like she pulls back this tapestry, and out pops Metlock. Like, oh! like she's surprised. Like, I thought I told you to say it, no! but I heard some noise, someone crying, and she's like, "It's dogs," and I'm like, "No, someone, like a fucking person." <laughs> like, dang. 
You stay in your room, I'll lock you in. Like, damn, lady. Could have just let her go home with that dude. Not that he would have treated her any better, but still. Why are you touching me? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like a person? Sure I did. <laughs> Please take your hands off that girl. You're touching that child. Now, box your ass. like the 1800s, 19, I can't tell what decade it, or 18, 19, 19th century, I don't know. But is it customary for all the like housemaids to wear dresses that have like the poof sleeves, like that kind of poke up at points? But yeah, she grabs Mary and Mary's like, I heard someone crying. And she's like, it's dogs. And she's like, no, someone, like a person. And she's like, no, you stay where you're told, or I'll come box your ears. And then she locks her in there and walks away. Ugh. You know she can still get out, right? <laughs> you probably don't know that. She's got her own little trapdoor. Her own emergency exit. Okay, so here we're gonna meet Martha. Such a sweet... This girl looks maybe a few years, like 15, 13, 14. A few years older than Mary. Sweetheart of a girl, this Martha. Apparently it's lunchtime now, and she's like, oh, what? You didn't like your oatmeal? I don't know. What did she got? She's got a big bowl, like, um, of some, maybe soup, maybe? Maybe that's what's on the menu for lunch? I don't know. Oh, it's porridge, not oatmeal. Mary, of course, is like, are you my servant? And Martha's like, I'm Mrs. Metlock's servant. And she, of course, is Lord Craven's servant. I swear. This girl is as cheery as the day as long. She's an absolute sweetheart. Like, I'll be waiting on you a bit while I'm up here doing the housemaid's work. And Mary's like, oh, well, that'll make you my servant then. It's like, girl, chill. Slow your roll. So Mary, of course, goes, gets into position with her hands raised above her head, waiting for Martha to dress her. Mary's just looking at Martha. It's like, you are strange. And of course, Martha's like, ah, I know that. And Mrs. Medlock gave me the place out of, you know, her position, out of kindness to her mother. So she lifts Mary's nightgown over her head. And then, of course, she's like, oh, I thought all girls like to be tickled. Because Mary's like, what are you, why are you tickling me? She doesn't even know what it means to have someone tickle you. Even Martha's like, I thought all girls would like to be tickled. Like, uh, I, I think even same gender, opposite gender, personal space. I get it. They didn't practice this in the 1900s. But I mean, she's just being, she's a sweethearted girl. But yes, Martha, please, honey. I know you're, you're a darling, but boundaries, dear, boundaries. Mary does not know of the ways of the. The world in England. She has to learn to adapt. Suddenly, it's, she hasn't even been there 24 hours yet, if you think about it. So, Martha pulls out three different outfits. She's like, what would you like to wear? Black, black, or black. That all black, isn't that funny? And of course, 
Mary's like, are you blind? They're all black. Like, I was making a joke, kiddo. You don't, uh, you clearly lived a humorless ten years of your life. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. For heaven's sake, she's not laughing at you. She's laughing at the, at the joke she made. God. And Mary's like, servant. Like, I'm gonna slap, I'm about ready to slap her across the face. She's irritating me. So, Martha, of course, helps her dress. And she kind of does a misstep, assumption. She's like, when I heard you were coming from India, I thought you'd be a native. It's like, uh... Mary takes great offense. Oh, she has a fit. Mary has a fit, calls Martha a daughter of a pig. And uh, you just... And, and poor Martha's trying to apologize. I'm sorry, I, I, I made a mistake. It's like, I don't know. I've never seen a native. I don't know. I don't... And, of course, Mary's like, no, 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 nothing. And she collapses on her bed. And poor, poor Martha. Uh, this is, uh, I'm going to play this clip. Because she apologizes. She feels bad. She just, she wants to welcome the girl, the only one that has. Oh, there ain't nothing wrong with you, girl. Stop with the tickling, Martha. You said you wouldn't do that anymore. Oh, poor Ma. I love Martha. She's a sweetie, like I said. And she's just like, I'm sorry. Don't be vexed. I, I'm too common and I talk too much. It's like, oh, girl. So Mary, fine with the apology, stands up, lets Martha finish dressing her. Of course, Martha can't keep her little wiggly fingers to herself that she tickles again. Stop with the tickling, girl. And, of course, she's like, I'm sure you want to see your uncle. And Mary's like, well, Mrs. Metlock said he didn't want to see me. And Martha's like, oh, but he does. So is she waiting to see her uncle? Hey, now we get some light in there. My gosh, otherwise it'd be pitch black. Metlock actually puts a lamp in there. That's good. At least get a little bit of light. Maybe not enough to read by without hurting your eyeballs, but at least you got something. It just sounds like a boring, dismal day of just sitting in your room. She doesn't even have any books to read. Then again, we don't know. Is Mary a reader? She might not be into reading. Apparently she's sitting there waiting for... I thought she's... You know, Martha said, you know, your uncle wants to see you. And, of course, she's probably waiting there, like, oh, here, your uncle's ready to see you. Nope. Turns out he's decided not to oh and by the way uh he's not gonna want to see you well he'll be gone tomorrow he's actually going away oh my goodness so martha gives us a little bit of a backstory just saying how uh the mistress you know um lord craven's wife had passed away 10 years ago right around the same age as uh what mary is 
So, yeah, Martha's just saying, you know, after his wife died, he didn't want to see anybody. He pretty much just spends his days just away from the house, just going on long trips. No one's really been able to bring him out of his doldrums, out of his depression. I mean, if you looked outside, uh, it's very depressing. There's, there's no sun. Just rain. Overcast skies. So, now we're down in the servants quarters and Mary surprisingly complains because um Martha's like helping her get a sweater on because it's dreadfully chilly out it's probably like April late March I don't know it's like um yeah I have no one to play with and Martha's like no one to play with I mean like oh little miss wants to be by herself all the time he has no one to play with and she mentions her brother Dickon goes out to the moor, up on the moor by himself for hours. He has his animal friends, which we'll see that later. He's got his animal friends to keep him company. Mary doesn't have that. But then again, judging by her attitude, would any animals want to even be around her? I mean, animals can sense emotions and she's just sending out those stay away, stay away vibes. Mary does not understand sarcasm at all. And apparently, you know, um... Martha's just kind of helping her. She's got her sweater next of the sweater, like, covering Mary's face the whole time. And, well, Mary can't uh, pull down the thing herself. Like, put it down, I can't see. And Martha's just saying how her brother Dickon is just, oh, he's been so curious about you. All right, she's all dressed up and ready to go out into the doldrums with her coat and her hat and her scarf. All ready to brave the elements of the dismal day. So Martha kind of shows Mary, like, if you want to go to the gardens, you got to straight through there. You got to go that way. But then again, I mean, it's, what, late May? It's not late May. It's got to be at least March. Nothing's in bloom yet. I think I even see a bit of frost or some snow on the ground. Yeah, it's clearly got to be March. Oh, there's a rabbit. I bet that rabbit's going to run off as Susan sees her. Ah! Give me those stay away vibes. Mary's wandering around and it looks like she's er like going in the direction of the hedge maze from The Shining. She's not, but it definitely looks it's a hedge maze, right? No, it's really just a bunch of vines that have grown over um, brick walls. She'll, so she follows this nameless bird that shows her the way to the door to that garden. Um, you know, she's got a hat, she's got a coat, she's got a scarf. You want to know what she's missing? Gloves. She's touching branches and vinery and ivy. You don't know if it's poison. It probably isn't. But I would be wearing gloves, any type of gloves, something to cover the hands. Because it's cold out there. It's March. It's got to be at least like 25 degrees if less. I don't know. But, you know, gloves, not just for the warmth, but for the, if you're going to be messing around with the vines and trying to, like, get through. Um. So, there is a man who's working the grounds. Like I said, he is from now and then. He played Crazy Pete. He played um, Duncan in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. We're just going to call him Crazy Pete. Pretty much like the groundskeeper, just... Keeping the, you know, he's got some fires going, probably burning some brush, some leaves. That, you know, stinky, like, burning leaves smell. Hate that smell. But I'd say that's not as bad as burning trash. So she's asking him about, like, where's the door located to the 
garden with all the ivy. The guy's like, oh, there isn't one. There's not a door there. And she's like, well, there has to be a door somewhere. And he pretty much clarifies that, yes, there is a door, yet nobody's been inside that place for ten years. Just like your aunt has been dead for ten years. I think there's a connection there. He won't say it, but we the viewer know, I think there's a connection. Ten years. Lots happened in ten years. A big accident. Whatever happened. Something happened ten years ago. Okay, so Crazy Pete is the master of obscurity. As he says, because when she died, the master gave orders to shut it up forever. The garden. She's making the connection that, um, well, she should already know that her uncle, the mistress, her aunt died. It's the same person, kiddo. Um, we see the beautiful bird. It's got, like, a chestnut coloring on its face and chest area. I don't know whether she's trying to talk to the bird or she's talking to the guy. Well, she's like, oh, it was my aunt's garden. That's why he locked it up. And she's, and Crazy Pete isn't going to answer her. And she's like, answer me, you. It's revolting how these people behave toward me. And, of course, the bird is just cocking his head like, are you talking to me? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, I don't hang out with these people either. I do my best to avoid them. Why I'm talking to you? Why I'm uh, even in your presence? I don't know. So it's like, oh, orders couldn't keep him on. I'm like, he who? And it's like, he's the only one that goes in there nowadays. I'm like, who? Oh, the bird? Yeah, well, you're not going to keep a bird out. He is very demanding of this bird. Show me. Where's the door? Show me where the garden is, bird. Here we see Dickon, right in the frame, right frame of the corner of the screen here. And, of course, Mary's like, hey, hey, come back here, you. I'm talking to you. Oh, he's giggling. Oh, you're talking to a bird. <laughs> you're such an amateur. I really talk to the animals. So she chases him around the ivy-covered walls, and he gets on his beautiful white horse. We're going to call him, uh, we're going to call this horse Pegasus. No, Rainbow Magic. You hear that, Dickon? I named your horse for you. Maybe we'll learn what his name actually His or her. It could be a girl. I'm not sure. I didn't get a good look at the uh, undercarriage of the horse. Not that I'm into that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, maybe we'll find out what the horse's name is. We might not. And I'm sure if we don't, then the horse's name will be Rainbow Magic. So Mar bleh, Martha, because <laughs> uh, Metloff was screaming for Martha. Martha! Martha! No, um... Mary grabs that key that she found. She's like, clearly it goes to a door. That one door that leads to that garden that no one's been to in ten years. I'm going to try it out. Because why not? She's got all the time in the world. She doesn't got to go to school. So she manages to get the key into the lock, turn it. The door, of course, hasn't been opened in ten years. So you got to admit, it's probably going to be... It's going to probably be pretty stuck. You're going to have to really, you know, wiggle the key and push it. Push, pull a little bit of effort there and then as she's walking into it clearly like i said it's got to be march a lot of things are just sleeping right now a lot of plants they're not ready yet they're hibernating again this girl is wait this is the same day isn't it it's got to be the same she's wearing the same outfit but then again it's not like she's got multiple types of 
coats and hats. Again, <clears throat> she is uh, not wearing any gloves. I told you, girl, you need to get some gloves. Martha, knit that girl some gloves. She needs them. Anybody worth their salt would be wearing gloves. Oh, she had a jump rope. Oh, that's nice. She's got a jump rope. She's just kind of looking around. It's really overgrown. A lot of it could be, you know, I'm not a landscaper. I'm not a, um, I don't own a greenhouse. I don't work in agriculture or any of that stuff. I did, it, it looks really, it just could, it's overgrown. That's all I'm going to say. It's overgrown. And really, you know, at this time of year, it's not going to be appeasing to the eyes. It's just not. We have this beautiful, the score has this beautiful, like, chorus of singers, and it's just, as she's just taking in the garden and everything, and just how in awe she is, she actually smiled. I was surprised. I didn't think she had that emotion in her. There's even what looks like maybe a fountain. There's a little, uh, statue of, um, makes me think of Mr. Tumnus from, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. When he was turned into stone, kind of like that. So she's poking around on the ground, um, through some weeds and ve vegetation. She does find some fresh, soon-to-be-popping-up-out-of-the-earth plant. So that does give her hope that this garden one day will come alive again. Just needs her magical touch. Hey, it's her bird friend, Mr. Chestnut. Hi, Mr. Chestnut. I named him. His name is Mr. Chestnut. So Mr. Chestnut, of course, is like, what? I'm around. <laughs> She's like, do you see what I found? Pretty wide open. And he's looking at her like, uh, well, I showed you here. I I've known all about this for 10 years. I'm 10 years old. Um, I know all about this. I, I led you here. Because, Mary, you are the key. You are the key to bringing this whole garden back. We need you. This garden needs you to come alive again exactly what Mr. Chestnut said in his mind. I can't believe she's like actually getting to work like removing like the the dead um, stalks and stuff out of the way trying to like clear like girl you might want to wait a bit I mean you're just using your hands that is a lot of work but whatever she's enthused she's like I'm gonna make this garden great it's sleeping right now though sweetie it's in hibernation but you do you you, you do what's gonna make you feel good She's finding her niche, everybody. That's what she's doing. She's finding her niche. Dang, it's windy there. It's not just rainy, but it's windy. Oh, here's something that's going to come back. That swing, everybody. If you've seen this movie, you know the swing in the garden. That comes back. So now we're back in Mary's room, and Martha's just hanging out with her while she's eating her porridge, and... Of course, Martha's like, wow, you're getting along good with that. Good for you. And, of course, Mary's like, oh, it tastes nice today. It's like, well, that's because the last time, by the time you got out of bed and decided to eat it, it would have been cold. Now it's all nice and piping hot and probably got some milk in there, some sugar, all that yummy stuff to make it all yummy, yummy. This porridge kind of, it's got to be kind of like oatmeal, right? Yeah. So while she's eating her breakfast, we hear the, ah, ah, and Mary's like, Martha, did you hear that? And Martha's like, oh, it's the wind. And Martha's like, oh, sometimes it sounds like someone's lost in the mower and crying. Martha's like, poor little Betty Butterworth. Betty Butterworth. 
Was she the founder of uh, the Mrs. Butterworth uh, maple syrup? Probably not. Oh, Betty Butterworth is a scullery maid. Aye, she's had a toothache all morning. So Matlock, of course, interrupts their hangout. Martha, I need you at once. I need you. I need your help. Get this child outside of what? And she grabs Mary by the arm. Matlock does. Matlock. <laughs> Matlock. Grabs her, like, and, like, I, she had, like, one spoon of porridge, like, on her way to her mouth all of a sudden. Get this child outside! Jeez! Well, maybe tomorrow I'll enjoy that porridge. Oh, it looks like she was mostly done. Mary goes outside. We definitely do see frost on the ivy-colored, uh, ivy-covered, um, walls. And this crow just comes right at right at Mary. Like, oh, close of my face. Ah. Luckily, she hadn't seen that movie, The Birds, yet. That hadn't been made because she was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Ah. I've never seen The Birds either, but I know enough of it. The hero is pretty bad. Uh, but here she's going to meet Dickon. It's like, oh, you scared my bird. And of course, Mary's like, I scared him. Maybe we we'll learn this bird's name. Because I already named Mr. Chestnut. And Dickens Horse uh, Rainbow Magic. So, hopefully, this bird has a name, or otherwise, I'm going to have to name it. Soot. His name is Soot. That's adorable. He doesn't know that frightened him. I frightened him. Like, he ran at my face. It won't hurt you. Bite me. You won't. <coughs> it's What's his teeth? There. I did it. Um, uh, no. Try again. <coughs> Do I touch him with your bare hand so he can smell your scent? <coughs> Probably covered in fleas. Oh, hello, little bird. His name is Soot. I'm Hamish Bear. I'm in you, too. Your mother's brother, Dick. <coughs> hey, it's Mr. Chestnut. <laughs> Robin says we're waiting for him. The young one told me all their secrets. He wouldn't tell you my secret, would he? Why not, Miss Mary? <laughs> a garden. I've stolen a garden. We haven't stolen anything. He's dead anyhow. I don't know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, you said that already. Yes, he's a horticulturalist. Knows all about the plants. Alive. 
sick of him. Look. That picture of my mother and my aunt sitting here. Say that's how she died. How? So we learned that the crow's name, or a raven, I can't, I'm sure it's a crow, his name is Soot, and of course Dickens like, he doesn't know that you frightened him, and of course Mary's like, I frightened him, like, you can pet him if you want, and of course she's like, why, he might bite me, and of course he's like, no, no, no. So Mary, of course, oh, she actually has gloves on, good girl, good, good girl. Um, she puts her hand out, little finger like, there, I did it. Like, he's like, no, no, no. Takes her hand, pulls the glove off. It's like, just like this. Just lightly pet. Because she's like, oh, he's filthy and dirty. It's like, no, he's soft. Yeah, but he's still probably, uh, yeah. Is a crow, unless you bathe him. I don't know. <laughs> so, we see Mr. Chestnut, the, um, bird that I've named. And he is chirping. To Dickon. Dickon's doing his little you know, bird call. And he's like, oh, he's been waiting for you, Mary. And Mary's like, oh, um, I've got a secret. You know, a garden. And, um, yeah, she says right away, like, I know you. I know you too. You're Martha's brother, Dickon. So he says, well, the animals tell me all their secrets. And, of course, Mary's a little worried. Like, oh, he wouldn't tell you my secret, would he? And Dickon's like, well... What are you talking about? She's like, a garden. I've stolen a garden. It's like, sweetie, you live on the property now. The garden's as much yours as it is, like, anyone that lives in that house. So, you haven't stolen anything. But, um, she's like, it's probably dead anyway. And then he, she takes him, like, do you promise not to tell anybody? And Dickon knows the garden. He knows. You know, everyone knows that works there, lives there knows all about what happened 10 years ago. So she thinks that the garden is dead. Of course, before they enter, she promises, like, makes him promise where, don't tell anybody, and he's like, don't worry, secrets are safe with me, I won't tell anyone, not a soul. And she thinks, you know, the garden is dead, but he takes a little pocket knife out and he kind of scrapes away at um, one of the branches, and he's like, you see this green here? That's Wick. And Mary, of course, doesn't know. She's not a, you know, skilled, you know, educated in that of horticulturalism and plants and trees and all that. So she's like, what's Wick? And he's like, alive. This is alive. Same as you and I. And he mentions about how, um, you know, in the summertime, this place is really going to open, like, be filled with roses. By summer, you're going to be sick of them. And she points to the the chair or the swing that her and her uh, her mother and her aunt were sitting on in that picture. And Dick and of course, like everyone else, but Mary says, "Well, that's how she died on that swing. She fell off." And I'm like, 
Deathwing is not high off the ground. What exactly happened that she fell and broke her neck? Or I don't know. If, clearly, if she fell, she broke her neck. What was she swinging too high? Was that the thing? She was swinging too high. She probably tried to do one of those things where she wanted to jump off. All us kids have done it when we swung. We always tried to jump, swing as high as we could, and then try to jump off and land. And uh, sometimes you got hurt. Sometimes you didn't. We were the lucky ones that didn't get hurt. She, of course, broke her neck, died. It's very sad. And that's why, you know, Lord Craven shut the garden. Like, he didn't want to be reminded, you know, his wife died. I'm surprised he didn't burn the garden to the ground. I'm sorry, but if I had learned, like, someone had died on a swing, I surely would go. She learns after. Because she's sitting on it. And he's like, oh, that's how your aunt died. She um, died on that swing. I would be like, okay, I'm getting off the swing now. This is, mm. So Mary, this bot, that, sorry guys. This bed is so high up off the ground that she is not only able to, she doesn't even technically have to squeeze under the bed. She can fit under it pretty well. And she puts her ivory um, elephant, like, on the, the ridge just underneath the box spring. And she's... It's so high up that she can even put her lamp underneath it with quite a bit of space. So it's not like she's going to start a fire under her bed or anything. She had a dream about her mother and she was there in the garden. And I think this is supposed to be Mary like when she was like a toddler. I see this adorable baby and when I used to watch this on VHS back when I was a teenager, I thought that was an adorable little boy. I think that's a girl, though. Like, I used to think this was, like, Colin. But he never knew his mom. So Mary's in the garden. She's about two years old. And you see her mother, of course, you can tell that it's her because she's wearing her hair up. She's got the hat. And she's got her arms out, like, Mary, Mary, come to me. And all of a sudden, it's windy, and it knocks her hat off her head. And she just starts, like, wandering away from her daughter. Like, she was even starting to leave before her... It's a dream, of course. It's not like she actually did that. Poor Mary, little toddler Mary. This girl, I looked her up. She isn't even credited. And it's sad, because this girl does a good job crying and calling out for her mummy. Maybe that little girl could, is playing out Mary's, you know, feelings and fears and everything of being abandoned by her and ignored by her parents. So she's woken up from the dream, but, you know, of her crying as a toddler... And not only that crying, but also the crying she's been hearing for, like, the last week. And she finally decides, like, it's late at night. I'm sure nobody is going to be up. So she decides to go to the, her secret trapdoor behind the tapestry and find out what this crying is coming, where this crying is coming. She, she already knows. She went to the where she heard it, and then Matlock kind of, like, came out the door and, like, spooked her or whatever. So she kind of knows about where to go. Granted, she's got her lamp so she can make her way in the dark of this giant mansion. Is it a mansion or a castle? It's a manor. So she's kind of above the room, but she can, there's, like, uh, areas where she can, like, look down into this room. And you don't really see much. You see, like, a bed that's got, like, ten pillows on it. And maybe some movements. 
like I said, it's dark and all she has is her, her lamp to kind of go by. But of course, we see somebody's in the bed and they see Mary up there. So I'm going to play this clip as we are introduced to young Colin Craven, who is also 10 years old. What are the odds that their mothers, who are twins, had babies at the exact same time? But the only difference is, clearly, Colin was wanted by his mother, and Mary was not. Oh my god. Sometimes. 
Now, Colin's room, he has got a fireplace at the foot of the bed, and that's where a lot of the light comes in. I would kind of, I mean, as nice as that would be to have a fireplace in the bedroom, um, because if you think about it, that's probably the only heat that's, like, making them, you know, heating that room is going to be that fireplace. But it's just so bright in there, but gosh, it'd be hard to, like, fall asleep. I gotta have, like, I gotta have the dark, I gotta have, um, my, my fan going, it's, I need that white noise. <laughs> so, Colin looks up and he sees Mary, of course she's got her little, uh, lit lamp with her, and he's like, are you a ghost? And she's like, no. And she's like, are you? Pretty much their introduction, he's like, who are you? She's like, I'm Mary Lennox, I live here. Of course, he says that he's Colin Craven, he's the master of, his, of the house while his father is away. And of course, Mary's surprised, she hasn't even met her uncle yet, she had no idea she had, that he had a son, let alone that she's got a cousin. And they find out they're actually the same age, they're both ten. And of course, he's saying how his father doesn't come to see him because he doesn't look anything like his mother. Colin doesn't? I don't know. Before she actually officially gets down there, we see Colin kind of looking at his eyes, kind of pulling at the bottoms, like, probably seeing if he's got, like, uh, shadows under his eyes, or, you know, how when you cry a lot, your eyes get all blotchy. Of course, he also looks like he's got breathing issues, because, like, you know, just, um... Anyway, and then he also, it look, he takes something out of his nightstand that look, he's breathing in. It's not as, it's not like an inhaler. It's like, almost like Vicks Vapor Rub. Like, he's like breathing in that, like, menthol or something to kind of clear his, you know, his sinuses or whatever. Colin definitely is all about the self-care. And he even tells her that he's been in that bed his whole life. Mary even lets it slip that his mother died in the garden. And he says, I didn't even know my mother because she died when I was born. It's like, yeah, she died in the garden. He's like, what garden? And she's like, uh, just a garden. And there's a, a, a bunch of them here. So, yeah. So Mary also lets it, uh, not necessarily lets it slip, but uh, reveals that Colin's mother and her mother were twin sisters. So of course she's like, why are you, why were you crying? And he's like, I can't sleep. And right away he starts like demanding, fluff my pillows for you. Where won't you, cousin Mary? Fluff my pillows and my sheets. They're all twisted. Like, well, that's I don't know what to tell you. No, that's the thing I hate. It's really like, oh, fluff my pillows, fluff my pillows. Like, ugh, you can do that stuff yourself. What is he just taking the pillow from each end and kind of like pulling it from both sides? Like. Eh, eh, eh. Or, like, smacking the pillow. I don't know. Well, he says, plump my pillows for me, Cousin Mary. So she's like, I don't know what to do about it. I'll get Martha and Mrs. Medlock. And Colin's like, no, don't do that. Because Miss Medlock does not want you in here. Because she's probably afraid that you'll make me, you'll upset me. Or, um, you know, I'm ill. And he's like, I'm going, I'm going to die. He's very matter-of-fact, very frank about this. And she's like, well, what's wrong with you? And he's like, everything. And I'm like, well, that could be a number of things. Pick one. Clearly, you probably have respiratory issues. And being that he's never been out of that bed, um, she kind of puts it together that he can't walk. 
We are going to see later in the movie some of the things that they do to help him so his legs don't deteriorate and, like, you know, end up having to have his legs amputated or anything like that. I mean, 10 years, he's never learned how to walk. They have neglected this kid. I mean, what exactly is wrong with him? They just, sounds like that, what is that, like, that Munchausen syndrome where, like, the parent, like, makes their kid think that they're ill to the point where they actually are ill because they're giving them so much medication and everything. They filled this kid's head with so much stuff. I mean, maybe he's got something wrong with him, but the fact that they're really, oh, he's going to die, he's going to die. It's like... This poor kid, it's like he's been brainwashed. Seems like he's been raised by Metlock and uh, and the rest of the staff. The father hardly ever comes to see his son, except occasionally maybe to look at him once in a while. So Colin, you can tell, he is just anxious. At, he's, he, he's lonely, like Mary. He wants somebody there. Because he's like, well, they're afraid, they're afraid you'll make, you'd make me upset. And she's like, oh, really? Is that true? Well, then I'll go. And he's like, no, stay here. And it's like, he's so desperate to have somebody to talk to. Because who is he talking to? Matlock? No. Martha? No. Um, other servants? Absolutely not. Because they're all busy. They might help him do what he needs to do through his daily regimen, his routine and everything, feed him, whatnot, give him his medications. But they're not going to... He's just a chore to them. And it's not like they're going to like, hey, how you doing today, Colin? What's going on in your life? Oh, you reading any books? You're not? Oh, you're just laying in this bed? Feeling sacred? Okay. Also, let's get to this painting of his mother. Again, she is the twin that's got the hair down, wild and free, carefree, smiles, actually smiles, which is nice. But apparently Colin's got a, like, curtain over her portrait because she smiles too much. Um, apparently that's a fault. Apparently they, you can't, you can't live there. If you, if you're going to live in that manner, you can't smile. You can't even smirk. You can't even have a half smile. Morose, sullen, depressed all the time. Yeah, when he says he's, I'm going to die. And of course, Mary's like, from what? And he's like, everything. I'm like, you're one of those. I mean, he's not a hypochondriac, but someone is. I mean, I think, but then again, we look at his father. His father's been grieving for his wife, for the mother of his son, and how she died in the, uh, uh fell off the swing, hit her head, or broken her neck, or I don't know. And he's just scared, you know, it happened right after his son was born, and he just shut down emotionally. What this makes me think of that movie um Jersey Girl with Ben's Ben so uh Ben Affleck and George Carlin back in two thousand four where Ben Affleck and I think it was when Ben Affleck and Jennifer Aniston were they weren't married but they were dating. I don't think they ever got married. Anyway, um the, her character gives birth to a baby girl and she dies, you know, giving birth to her daughter. And the thing is, Ben Affleck can't even look at his daughter because it reminds him of his wife. And eventually he does get over, like, the father's like, look, you need to take care of your little girl. She needs you. What would your wife say to you 
if she saw how you were acting and you weren't taking care of your baby. You owe it to your wife to do that. No one told this to Lord Craven. No one's like, look, your wife died. Your son needs you. He's like, you know what? I can't even look at him. You take care of him. I need to deal with my grief. Ten years strong, this grief and depression has had a hold on him. Apparently his trips away are not doing anything to lift that grief or depression. The next day, Mary's up. She's ready to take on the day. At least it's not raining, so that's a plus. She and Dickon are hard at work, kind of clearing the dead brush away from, you know, in the secret garden, kind of getting things ready so that way when the shoots and stalks of the new plants and the new growth for the springtime come up, they are not going to have to try to shoot their way through, you know, um dead branches or, you know, weeds or anything. They'll have a clear path to be able to shoot up properly without any interference. So we got Soot. We got the crow kind of hanging out. And, of course, um, Dickens kind of, they're just hanging out. He's asking her questions like, how did you know to pull the weeds? That is a ferret. That is a ferret. I think there's two of them there. Maybe there's another one. I can't tell. So... She pretty much just saw it as the weeds are strangling the plant, preventing it from being able... Because there are some fresh um, some fresh uh, stalks and buds that, you know, new growth coming up. And it's like, it looked like it was strangling. I mean, I didn't even know what... She didn't even know there were weeds. She was like, she just saw that fresh growth. And like, I gotta get the stuff out of here. They have to have a clear path. So, like I said, Dickens, the horticulturalist here, and he's like... It's a lily, an empress of India lily. Okay, see, this guy knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. They are actually going to be planting, they're plant. they got bulbs, they're planting fresh bulbs into the soil, which is great. I mean, they see this garden, it's like, we can bring this garden back from the dead and make it as beautiful as it once was. So it's like, these other bulbs are lilies too. And we'll plant them all around your Empress of India. And I like how Mary's like, oh yeah, she'll have her ladies in waiting. And then they both are singing the Mary Mary Quite Contrary song. And she's smiling as they're singing together. But then she kind of quiets down. It's like, you know, over on the boat here from India, um, they used to sing that at me. Of course, she's like, I wasn't as contrary as they were. No, but I mean... You met your cousin, you're making friends with Dickon, you guys are working on a project together, it's awesome. We see adorable little ferret, I'm gonna call him, um, I'm gonna call him, I'm gonna call him Splash. I'm gonna call him Splash the Ferret after Mark Monroe's, Marone's, you know, he's the animal guy. Um, he had a ferret named Splash, so I'm naming this ferret, who has not had a name, Dickon's not named him yet, if he does... I'll just call him that, but I'm calling him Splash. We might see Splash again. I don't know. So, Mary reveals to Dickon that she met Colin, you know, like, I met my cousin last night, and Dickon kind of looks at her, like, surprised, like, oh, you met Colin. And she's like, oh, you know him. He's like, well, everyone knows about him. Like, yeah, I mean, hardly anyone's seen him, though. Probably because this whole fear of germs that we're going to get to that no one's, they probably know you can't, unless it's like Metlock or Martha or someone else in charge of his health, it's like you, you can't see him just for fear that he could die. 
And she's like, well, he said his mother died when he was born. Oh, oh, I get it now. Okay, okay, I get it. I get this. What happened? Because he's like, she fell off the swing and he was born too soon. Okay, so what happened was then she was carrying Colin, I don't know at what point in the pregnancy, but that caused her to have an early delivery. Not a miscarriage, but an early delivery. And Mary even mentioned, you know, he's not like you at all. He's not at all like you. She mentions, I mean, this was like, she saw him like, in a room that just was lit up by the fireplace. And she could even then see, like, his face was really, really white. He was very pale. Like, what are than these little hairs on this bulb? Oh, he's instructing her because she pulls up the bulb by the little hairs. And he explains that those are roots. And she sets the bulb in there. But, of course, he pulls it out and instructs her by placing it in her hand. Like, you have to turn it upside down because the roots need to grow outward. They're not going to grow if you set them facing upward. Oh, there's even a goose. I wonder what that. I thought it was Flash the Ferret. But, no, it's the goose. Or is it a gander? I know a goose is a think of female and a gander is a male. I can't tell. It's just hanging out. It's hanging out on that stump. This is pretty cool, like, animation in a way that we get to see the roots, like, growing at, like, a certain speed. It's pretty cool. So, now we're gonna go to Mary hanging out with Colin, probably in the early, early, early morning, like, probably, like, 1, 2 a.m. in the morning. They're kind of hanging out, because they gotta do it when Metlock is not going to be taking care of him and overseeing him and whatever. Well, Mary's kind of putting on a what looks like a play for Colin, and she's mentioning about it's too stuffy in here and the fresh air and it's too stuffy. We need fresh air. I'm going to die if I don't get light and fresh air. So she breaks away from this little puppet show that she's putting on with marionettes on strings. It's The, the faces are very creepy. Um, they make me think of that Annabelle doll. Um, from the movie Annabelle. Um, she's like, at least we can open the windows. And she goes right to the windows. But Colin's like, no, don't. But instead of him saying, no, don't. He's like, get away from there. Don't touch them. It's like, whoa. He's actually sitting in a wheelchair. Now, granted, this is a wheelchair from like the 18, 1900s. So it's not that great. Um, he says, he was lying. He's like, I spent all of my life in this bed. Well, you're in a wheelchair, so you can't exactly say you spent all your life in that bed. But he explains how the windows are nailed shut because his lungs can't take the spores. So this is almost, I mean, in a way, it's almost like what we're going in a way um, with what's going on now with the stay-at-home order, only Colin, I mean, that boy would probably die if he went out there right now in this world. He would probably die. It's basically like spores and germs and stuff which are invisible. You can't see them. But they're in the air. When he's talking about uh, spores being carried by the wind and when you breathe the air you swallow them, it makes me think of like allergies and like, you know how dandelions eventually turn into those little white pod things that you like you blow and they just spread all over. That's what the spores make me think of. Well, the way he's describing them. He's got a really fancy, like, Hugh Hefner type robe on, by the way. So they kind of get into an argument here. It's like, her hair was kind of like if she went out in the wind and everything like that. 
And Colin's like, oh, your hair is dead. And she's like, well, wait a minute. No, it's not. Because why would it keep growing after, even after you die? Of course, she's like, oh, well, maybe not your hair. By then you'd be bald because you'd be old. <laughs> and he's like, don't be stupid. Like, ugh. My God, of course, they're kids. They're going to argue over stupid shit. Because that's what kids do. Dang, he is so on this dead train. I'll be dead before I'll be bald. Like, you don't know that. He's convinced he's going to get a lump on his back like his father. And the only thing that I would notice, like, Mr. Burns from The Simpsons has a lump on his back. I thought it had something to do with, like, osteoporosis. I always thought, like, if you don't drink enough milk, your bones aren't going to form right or they're going to be brittle and stuff happens. I don't know. Is that another why those people are feeding you, kid? You're going to be just like your dad. You get a lump on your back. Like, ugh. Like, he doesn't have enough to worry about thinking he's going to die of all these illnesses. I think there isn't something wrong with him. There might be, but this just seems like one of those Munchausen syndrome things. Like, they're keeping him sick. And of course, Mary is sick and tired of this talk of dying. My god. Like, well, everyone thinks I'll die. And he's got, oh my gosh. This is so prevalent with today. He's got a mask for her to put on her face. He's like, everyone thinks I'll die. And she's like, if everyone thought that about me, I wouldn't do it. Like, she just lived just to spite them. I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this, I'm going to play this clip as he hands her the mask to put on her face. Hey, on the mat on the face mask so that way she won't spread her germs to him and she's like look I hung out with you last night and I didn't give you any germs then he's like put on the mask and she's like ugh and she puts it on and of course it's like one of those starched like cloth things that probably would irritate your face and she's like ugh I can't stand it just insane put on the mask put on the mask it's like no She's like, forget, he is being a little pompous ass. I'm, I'd be like, you know, this is why people don't want to hang with you. This is why people want to, like, not be around you. Because you're, he's being like, um, an India version of Mary. What Mary was before she got to England. I mean, granted, she's still kind of like that. But still, it's like, those two were made for each other because they're both, like, they're both pushy. They're both, like snotty both very demanding he finally thinks, like, you know what i'm gonna go outside and hang out with dickon and he's like he's like oh really dickon and she's like yeah 
because he charms animals with uh like the animal charmers in India and all this great worship of the shrine the shrine of Dickon and of course yeah so she mentions about the garden and he's like oh yes does he know about my mother's garden he's she's like what 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 he's like yeah you said my mother had a garden and she's like oh um yeah but no one's allowed in there uh it's locked and he's like well i'll make them unlock it and she's like no 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 don't do that because and he's like why why shouldn't i it's like he's doing it to spite her like i'll make them unlock it and she's like no because if you do that it won't be a secret anymore just keep my secret please like you know i bet you can't and as soon as she's like i bet you can't even keep a secret uh, Metlock's in. It's like, oh, shoot. So, of course, this is one of the medical procedures that they have to do to keep Colin from losing his legs because he doesn't use them. Metlock and Martha come in wearing masks, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's so sad how that is relevant of today, and it just makes me want to cry. Um, she's like, I brought the machine for your legs, Master Colin. And, of course, he's like, I don't want it. And she's like, oh, don't be like that. Like, would you want it? Apparently, it's a machine that will help his circulation. And what if he said that he, I mean, he said he doesn't want it. Does she have to obey him? Because he is technically the master of the house while his father's gone. But then again, he's ten years old. So, how much power does he really have while his father's away? I don't know. This machine consists of a crank and it looks almost like uh, one of the, the stethoscopes thing, that the, the metal part that would go like against your chest or whatever to hear your lungs. But she's using it on his leg and then on the other side she's got this little metal like, it looks like a dental pick that the dentist used to like scrape like in between your teeth. And your gums and all that stuff. <laughs> so it's like the thing is pricking him and then it's like, is this like some form of an electric shock to try to keep his blood flowing in his, because she's testing his ankles to make sure like his foot responds to the poke, I guess. So Metlock lets Colin know that his father's coming home and of course Colin's like, yeah, and he's not going to want to see me, so why should I care? And she's like, oh, you don't know that. Maybe he'll see you. It's like, whatever. Right, let's make this conversation while you're, like, poking at my leg for circulation purposes. So Martha notices, is it under Colin's bed that she sees something move, like a leg? And mind you, Martha is the one that's turning, cranking this little wheel for the circulation machine. And she stops cranking it because she's looking at this leg that's sliding underneath the, uh... <coughs> The bed. You can barely even see because it's so dang dark in there. The only thing they're working by is the light of the fireplace. And look how Matt looks like, Martha? The machine, the machine. Wake up, girl. What are you doing there, Martha? Wake up. Still on the clock. Why does she need herbs? What is this concoction that you're bringing in? I was like, oh, I'll get them for you, ma'am. And she goes, no, 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 no. Last time you brought too many roots and almost no leaves. Like, what are the herbs for exactly? Are they medicinal purposes? Like the Vicks Vapor Rub? I don't know. You gonna rub them over, rub the herbs over his legs and that helps the circulation? I don't know. As soon as Matlock's gone, Martha, like, pulls Mary out from under the bed. Like, what are you doing out there, Miss 
Mary. Of course, uh, Martha starts freaking out. Like, where's your mask? If Miss Metlock found out, she'd can me for sure. And Colin's like, look, just just go, okay? Please just go. No, she's like, oh, if Metlock finds out, she'll, the world will come to an end. And Colin's like, she'll never let you come back. But to see him, she doesn't know that he's been to see him. Unless she's like, he's like, well, she'll send you away. I don't know. It's like, can you just, just go? Just please go. And she's trying to make a, a point, like, but your master, until your father gets home, you can make her, and it's like, no, just, just go, please. We don't need to create a problem. Poor Martha's worried for her job. Like, she'll think I disobeyed her. She'll fire me for sure. So, Lord Craven is back. He's got, how the heck many English mastiffs says he's got, like, fucking ten of them. He's got fucking ten dogs coming down this, and you mastiffs are huge. There's one, two, three... Four, we got a total of four. Five, six? Holy shit! There's at least six. I thought there were like ten. I'm like, oh, there is so many dogs. A couple of them are fighting on the stairs! A couple of these dogs are just going at it on the stairs. They're like rolling down the stairs. It's kind of comical. (laughs) How do you even film that did two dogs like there's like six of them there did two of them get into an argument because this what you see some like housekeeper people like walking up the stairs and everything and they're like clapping their hands like okay dogs okay get out of the way get out of the way and two of them as soon as she's like yeah, and they, these two dogs like go at it they're like rolling around like down the stairs like that's how those dogs are gonna be dead you don't fight on the stairs you don't fight on the stairs. All right, looks like it's time for Mary to meet her uncle for the first time. It's not like Metlock is, like, coaching her on what to say. Don't ask these questions. Don't ask about your aunt. Don't ask about Colin. Don't ask about really anything. He'll ask you questions, and you're to answer promptly and correctly and honestly. Right away, Metlock opens the door. It's like, oh, your lordship, Miss Mary, is here. And right away, we get the snarling English Mastiff. It's like, I thought that these dogs are clearly, like, guard dogs. Like, he needs to be protected in case someone wants to assassinate him. Mary, of course, is freaked out. I mean, this dog is, like, growling at her. I'm surprised he didn't lunge at her. And luckily that guy will, like, go, like, hey, shut up and stay there. Stinking dog. Don't get me wrong, I like dogs and everything like that. It's been a while since I had one, but it's like, I I don't want one growling at me. And getting ready to charge, because that would make me really apprehensive. Well, he tells the dog to calm down. <laughs> All six of those dogs in there, or just two of them. Poor Mary is scared to death. She's just standing right by the door, like ready to bolt at any second. And Craven, of course, Lord Craven, is not even looking in her direction. He just kind of like has a finger, like, come over here, come over here. And he, he's got it. His other hand to his forehead, like he's got the biggest migraine ever. It's like he's ordering her, like he's ordering one of his dogs. Come here. I'm going to play this meeting and we'll see how this works out. Because like I said, he's never laid eyes on her before. He doesn't know what she looks like. And when he sees what she looks like, he is taken aback and surprised. Like, oh my gosh, you look just like my wife. Let's see your dogs. <laughs> yeah, have you seen your dogs? They're not exactly friendly. I've never met you before. You're a virtual stranger. 
Let him tell us. <laughs> I have no idea. How can you even see her eyes? Your room is lit by a fireplace. It's so dark in there. I mean, I barely even tell that what color eyes she's got, let alone if she even has eyes. Yeah, she basically ignored me my whole ten years. I have no idea. Here. The first thing he notices about Mary isn't her hair, it's not her looks, her it's her eyes. And he goes over to his uh, desk and pulls out, like, oh, they didn't send me your picture. And she's like, well, my mom didn't really give a rat's ass about me at all in my ten years of living on this earth. She sure as hell didn't bother to take my picture for any reason. Um... And the fact that he's like, her eye, your eyes. And it's like, that room is barely being lit by that fireplace. How can you even see her eyes, let alone what color they are? The way he's like, my God. The way he reacts, it's like, my wife, come back from the dead. As you know, you know, his wife and her mom were twins. They were, they look like they were kind of fraternal. They didn't exactly look identical. Well, of course, Metlock would want to send her to some boarding school. Like, at this place, there's no... This isn't a place for a child. I'm like, yeah, tell it to your son who thinks he's dying of everything. I've seen... Yeah, just based on seeing your son, I can tell how you treat children here. And it's not well. Mary is pleading with him, like, please, no, let me stay. I promise I won't do any harm. And he's like, harm? What harm could you do? It's like, uh, okay, she's... what, Whatever. But she's like, you know, I don't need much. I just... And she asks permission, like, could I have a bit of earth? And he's like, a bit of earth? And she's like, uh, yes, to plant seeds in. Seeds in and watch them grow. And he's like, well, I guess. I mean, don't expect much to come of it. And she's like, okay, bye. And she races out of there. He's like, go. You can go. Goodbye. Goodbye. And it's like, she races out of there so fast. And Medlock is just like, oh, wow, that was fast, uh... It was a fast little meeting. <laughs> we go to the secret garden. Dickens already there. They got um, little place cards on sticks to kind of tell what flowers are growing and where. So she tells 
Dickon that she got permission from her uncle that she can have any, any bit of earth. They can plant whatever they want. Oh my gosh, it's like she's throwing out seeds just randomly, like throwing them out in Dickens' like lap. Because he's probably ex happy that she's excited about something. She's been morose the majority of the time she's been there, but at least this garden is bringing something out of her and bringing her out of her shell. And she's like, I can plant blue flowers, pink flowers, orange, yellow, purple, uh, and, and foxgloves, and uh, whatever the heck else she said. And immediately, it's like she said the magic word flowers and just starts pouring down on them. Like, you want flowers? I will give you flowers because I am going to make it rain and you are going to watch them grow. Alright, so now we're going to go back to Colin and Mary. They're putting together a puzzle of what looks like an old, old, old map. And she tells about, you know, her time in India when it rained. Her ayah, her servant babysitter, whatever you want to call her, would tell her stories. She's talking about, a, there's a story about a god who was kept shut away so no one could see him. And, of course, Colin's like, oh, really? Well, she's like, he reminds me of you. And Colin's like, well, why was he shut away? And she's like, because his uncle wanted to kill him. And I'm like, are you sure you're not talking about Hamlet? We're not talking about the Lion King because that was in 94. Are you sure you're not talking about Hamlet, the play by Shakespeare? So he, she says how the uncle had dreamed the young god would take over heaven. Okay, so we're not talking about Hamlet. Okay. I guess this god, like, hid with some cows or something. So, eh, at least Colin's laughing. So I guess that's something. So now it looks like they're going to get into another disagreement because Colin's like, oh, is he different on the inside? And she's like, yeah, you can see the whole universe down his throat. It's like... It almost makes you think like a, a a myth or a fable or one of those stories like that that has like um I don't know. Of course, Colin is really like showing throwing shade at the story. Like he's calling bullshit on it. Like the universe could not fit down someone's throat. He's pretty much doing what I'm doing like with movie. You're 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 critiquing it. You're challenging it. You're Trying to find logic in it. And, and he's doing the same thing to the story. And she's like, look, it's just a story. Why are you poking holes? Why are you trying to find a theory? You know, f find threads that aren't there. Just enjoy the story for what it is. It's a story. He's all about it doesn't make sense. She's like, it doesn't have to make sense. It's a story. What's his deal with calling her stupid? And she's like, no, it's magic. He's like, you can't be that stupid. It's like, dude, I'm going to slap you across your sick face. Stop with the stupid. It's not cool. I don't care if you're 10 years old. I don't care if you think you're dying. You call me stupid. I'm slapping you across your face. She's like, no, I'm not stupid. You just don't understand and you don't want to. And he, he just sl swats that puzzle that they just got done putting together in his face. Like, you know what? I'm out of here. I just, uh, you are incorrigible. You are tiresome. I have had enough of you. See, that's the thing. If they were polar opposites, they'd probably get along. But the fact that they are exact, exactly alike, both with tempers, both with their own you know, opinions and all that stuff, they're going to fight over the stupidest shit. But then again, siblings, cousins, you all fight over the stupidest shit for no reason because at the end of the day, only one of you can be right. There can be no, I agree with you. 
Or at least in this case. It's like saying, you can't leave. You wouldn't dare. I'll have them drag you back. It's like, you know what? Enough with the... She's even saying, you're like that kid in India with all the rubies and the jewels and the, you know, riding on top of elephants and stuff like that. You're just like that Raja guy. Which, she calls him like Raja or a Raja or something. She calls him Mr. Raja, like that, like that spoiled kid in India. I'm gonna play this little disagreement between them because, oh my gosh, things get heated. And they're two ten-year-olds arguing about nothing but stupid shit. Hell, that would mean you'd have to be bigger than the whole universe to fit the universe down its throat. And you said, you look like everybody else on the outside. That's right, it's inside that you doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. The idea of it. That's so stupid. No, it's not. It's magic. You can't really be that stupid. I am not stupid. You just don't understand. You don't... You can't leave. You were dead. Oh, wouldn't I? I'll have to drag you back in. Will you, Mr. Raja? Fine. That's just fine. Yeah, right. Look at your sourpuss. I said, they're just arguing about the stupidest shit. She's all like, well, I won't even tell you about my visit to see your father. And he's like, oh, well, he doesn't see me. He doesn't even like me. And it's like, well, he likes me. It's like, she's like, Haha. it's almost like she's like bragging. like, I got to see your father and he doesn't want to see you because he likes me better. You know, that kind of, it's like that kind of shit. Steven's like, you won't even open your windows. He's like, it's raining out. It's like, yeah, but still, yeah, you still wouldn't open them, even if it was, wasn't raining. Uh, yeah. It's like, I'm not sour. Mm. Like, you have the sourest puss face I've ever seen on a human being, Colin. Come on now. Okay, so Martha is giving Mary a bath, and Mary's like, what's up with, you know, my uncle not seeing Colin? I don't get it. And Martha's pretty much like, he's afraid to fall in love with him. He's af And Mary's like, wait, he's afraid to love his son? I don't get it. It's like, join the club, Mary, because none of us get it. And she even says Colin wants to see his dad. And it's like, well, he only stays like for a week, and then he never sees anybody. And Martha mentions how when his wife died ten years ago, he locked himself in for over a month. So it's pure grieving period just didn't want to see anybody so martha even says you know colin was such a weak baby everyone thought he'd be dead he would die and it's like oh he was most likely he was born early he was probably born premature and they probably thought maybe he did have health problems or who knows just the idea like he didn't okay i get it he didn't want to fall in love with his son for fear that if his son died then that would completely 
I would put that man probably even towards suicidal tendencies. That I mean, lose his wife and his son. It's like, what else do I have left? I have nothing. But it's that fear, that fear of thinking his son would die and just not seeing him and just grieving over his wife. It's like, your son, 10 years later, is still hanging in there. But then again, more likely, I mean, there is a scene where... We'll get to it later. Well, actually, we're right on that scene. It's like, oh, my poor little boy, as Lord Craven comes to see his son. And, of course, Colin probably, Colin probably thinks it's like Mary's come to see him or something. But he's, or he's actually asleep and moaning in his sleep. He doesn't want to wake his son. He doesn't want his son to know that he saw him, so he leaves. All right, so we get another narration for Mary. She says, that was the night the rain stopped. The night spring came to Misselthwaite Manor. Cool. Then we get the beautiful chorus of a choir singing. We get to see the beautiful buds. The visual, like I said, the visual work is very stunning. We see the buds come up and start to bloom, and it's just gorgeous looking. I mean, yeah, there's dead leaves among them, but still. Eventually, the end result is going to be absolutely visually stunning. Bright colors, all of it. The hard work they put into it will well be worth the end result. Look, it's Mr. Chestnut, the bird. He's back. A lot of this was a lot of visual stuff as far as just flowers blooming. We see, like, um, the babbling brook coming out of wintertime and all that good stuff. Oh, look, we get an adorable little lamb. I just want to go and hug that lamb and just rub my face in its soft, soft downy fur. And we do get, I don't know what they call these things, like... The scene where the the scene is like not fast forwarded, but like kind of moving fast, where you see the clouds like moving over the the fields. Are these like apple trees? I can't tell what they are, but it's gorgeous. A lot of like I said, a lot of visual stuff. All right, here we go. It's sunlight. We're going to go and pull the boards off of Colin's window so he can experience the sun. Hey, look! Dickens on Rainbow Magic, the horse! And they're pulling off the boards off his windows. So she puts Colin in front of the window. And of course, it's so bright. Like I said, he's never seen sunlight in his life. And it's too much for him to handle. As he puts an arm over his eyes, he's afraid. Like, the spores! I can't see the spores! I don't want to catch the germs! Oh, whoa! She opens the windows. Okay, I, I get it about opening our, um taking the boards off the windows, but I think it's a bit much letting in the air. So Mary just dashed, like, Dickens, like, hey, Mary, I need your help down here. And poor Colin, who's got his arms over his face, like, what about the spores? Mary, can you see them? Mary, 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 where are you? Why are we experiencing this together, Mary? And she's like, well, I've seen it before, so. And she sees... Mary, get on the back of the horse, Rainbow Magic, with Dickon, and ride off. And he's like, Mary, come back! The spores! I'm going to die! He stands up out of his wheelchair, and immediately, like we know, he has no use of his legs, and he falls right out of his wheelchair. And what does he do? In Colin fashion, he throws a temper tantrum and starts screaming! So... Of course, Mary gets off of Rainbow Magic the horse and is like, <sighs> she remember the windows were open and 
Colin is wailing. He's pounding his fists on the floor, throwing a temper tantrum like a toddler, even though he's 10. And she's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Martha and, uh, I guess his name is John or Will or whatever. And they come in and they're trying to subdue Colin. Like, oh my gosh, stop. You'll upset yourself. You'll hurt yourself. Sorry, but I would go over there and give him a big old smack on his ass. Because it's like, that is enough. So the guy, uh, what is his name? Will? John? I don't fucking know. He picks up Colin, this 10-year-old boy, who is still carrying on with the temper tantrum. And he's just slapping this guy on the head as he's trying to place him on the bed. Oh, poor Martha is trying to, like, subdue Colin. Like, calm yourself. Calm yourself, Master Colin. And she's like, go see if Mrs. Medlock's back. Well, Mary is going to be like, uh, this shit has to stop. So Mary, of course, has come up and Martha's like, oh, don't go in there. He's having a dreadful fit. Lord knows what he'll do. And she's like, I don't give a fuck. I really don't care. This has to stop. You can't always be catering to his whining and his whims and all this. So she goes up there. Oh, man, listen to this. out of here, bitch. She, oh, she's actually in tears. Give me a break. I'm 
So Mary goes in there and steps on the ottoman that's at the foot of the bed and just starts screaming at Colin, stop, stop it. She's like, I hate you. Everyone hates you. You're so spoiled. And he stops crying long enough to look at her like, I'm not as spoiled as you are. It's like, you want to bet? It's because I'm always, he's making excuses. Like, it's because I'm always ill. And she's like, nobody ill could scream like that. Trust me. He's like, I'm going to die. My mother. And she's like, what do you know about dying? She's like, he's like, my mother died. And she's like, both my parents are dead. You want to try again to top this? This is not a competition, Colin. So he's like, I'm going to get a lump on my back. I'm going to end up like my father. And he's like crying. And she's like, hold on. She goes over there, lifts up his his robe and shirt, and starts kind of pressing down on his spine and kind of like his back shoulders. She's like, it's just your spine sticking out. I got the same thing. You want to feel? Same thing. All right? You're just skinny. That's why your spine is sticking out. If you ate more, if you got out and got some muscle on you, you wouldn't look like you do. And you wouldn't be surrounded by people that are t every day telling you you're going to die. While she's doing all of this, of course, Metlock and some old bearded white-haired dude, I'm guessing he's a doctor, show up. And she's like, oh my gosh, what are you doing, you basic girl? Get away from me, you'll kill him! And... <laughs> And then she, Matlock goes, Matlock, I keep calling her Matlock. Matlock goes over to Martha and says, you're the one who brought that girl in here and slaps her. Slaps poor Martha. And it's like, Colin finally is like, hey, you need to go. Get out of here, Matlock. Matlock, Matlock, whatever. He orders her. She's like, oh, what? You're ordering me? And he's like, yes, go. I want to be alone with my cousin. He doesn't fire her ass. I don't think he's got that power, but he does tell her to get the hell out of his room. And Mary is there, and he's like, "Hey, um, she's like, you know what? You're just you're sick. If you got out in the fresh air, I think it would do you some good. You're skinny from being, you know, not, you know, not leaving the bed." whatnot so we gotta work on that and he's like hey do you think um you know the garden my mom's garden do you think we could maybe i mean do you think i'd be okay outside you know with the spores and everything and she's like well i don't know about spores exactly i don't know what they are you keep talking about them um and she's like hey can you tell me about my mom's garden like what's it like and she's like well i didn't want to tell you at first i was afraid i couldn't trust you but um, I've been there in the secret garden, and it's just, it's amazing. Like, the flowers are coming in bloom. Like, when you walk in there, you can't see anything at first. You go down some stone steps, and then all of a sudden, boom, surrounded by flowers. It's amazing. Baby animals are being born since it's springtime and all that good stuff. So, yeah, she kind of gets it in his head. Like, I think he wants to try it. I think he wants to get out in the fresh air and see the garden. This kid has got such a blotchy face that it looks like, I mean, it's mainly from, you know, Puff even crying or he's got a touch of rosacea. I don't know. I don't think so. But, uh, oh, we'd see a mother sheep and her baby lambs are so adorable. And just the green, green grass and just the, the landscape of it. It's beautiful. It's all kind of like, um, cut out in different, like, retaining walls, kind of separating sections. Alright, so Colin is going to go out with Dickon and Mary and, of course, Soot, 
the crow is perched on Dickens' shoulder. And Colin's pretty much in it. He's like, I'm doing this. I don't care what you say. I am the master here while my father's gone, so you can't really stop me from going out. It's like if the fresh air agrees with me, I may go out every day. And of course, Matt Lott's like, oh, maybe not every day. It's like, every day if I wish. Thank you. And of course, Matlock wants to go with, and he's like, no, stay here, Matlock. You cannot come. This is for 10-year-olds and under. Well, maybe 12, because, I mean, maybe Dickens, like, 12. I don't know. Basically, no old people. No one over the age of 30. I am going out in my chair. <laughs> Fresh air agrees with me. I may go out every day. <laughs> Not every day, surely, Master Gumbler. <laughs> when I go, nobody is to be anywhere near. None of the staff, not a single gardener. Is that clear? Yes, you stay. You can't go with. Matlock, of course, is like, I want to go with you. And Colin's like, no, you stay. You can't come with. You're bad luck. And you create problems. And you have no sense of humor. And they leave, and of course, the staff still has the masks on, and Matlock Matt is like, just take these damn things off. What good are they now? It's like, yes, I wish we could all take our masks off and go out in the world, but right now we can't. Gotta wear the masks. Aw! We got baby... What is that? We got deer and goats. Baby goats hanging out with each other. How cool is that? And Colin is just amazing. You know, this is his first time ever outside and the sun is out. It's great. It's like, hey, Dickon, are these all your animals? He's like, oh, yeah. Some of them. Colin's got a really awesome wheelchair Um, that... Um, it's like for outside. It's not exactly a hover around, uh, but, um, it's pretty cool. Mary actually, it's got a thing where you can kind of pull it from and push from the back. You know, Dickens on one end, Mary's like pulling it along and Dickens like pushing it. Of course, they get out of the way of the windows. So kind of out of sight and it's like, okay, it's safe now. And like faster, Colin, fa or faster, Dickens, faster, push me, push me. All right, here we go. We're going to take him to the secret garden. Yay! Here we go. Yes. <laughs> 
That's what the these goose So Colin is just amazed. Like, he can't even believe all the sights that he's taking in. He's like, you know, I dreamed this. I imagined this. And it's just, it's so sweet and beautiful. It's like words can't describe. And I just love that haunting, well, not haunting, but just this beautiful melody of the score that's playing underneath. And it's just, oh. And Mary just explained how, like, the pond was clogged when they got there and they were able to fix it. And uh, it's just like, oh, this is that flower, that flower, just <coughs> all the names of the flowers and everything. Of course, you know, Mary's just so proud of herself with the Empress of India plant and the, the seeds, the bulbs that she planted alongside of them. It's just, she's so proud. And she should take pride. I mean, you know, she helped this garden a lot. I mean, so did the springtime and everything like that. They, they're all, what, annuals probably because they all come back every year. So, yeah. But it's just so nice to see her just joy in her, in her voice and just a smile on her face. Aww. And Colin just laying on the ground there and just petting a deer. It's so adorable. Colin is just, I'm going to come back tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. And he's just, he, it's like he's found his happy place. In a way, if you think about it, it's like he's connected, you know, connecting to his mom. Like my mom was here and this place is a part of her. And I can, you know, it's just, it's, I'm so happy for him. He's just, he's happy, smiling and everything. Mary finds a little worm, and of course Dickens like, oh, it's only a little worm. And he takes it, and Dickens pops it in his mouth. Like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if, if Colin and Mary are like, ah, I don't know. I mean, you do you, uh, Dickens, but I, uh, I don't think we want to go. We're not that adventurous yet. It's funny because as Dickens getting ready to put it towards his mouth, Mary already knows. It's like, ew. It's like, Dickens like, it's not, ooh. It's like, mmm. It's like, ugh. I love the squirrel that's perched on his shoulder and he's just like hanging out like eating a nut or something. Even Colin's all like, oh, that's a little too much for me there, dude. I mean, you're like, cool and all. <laughs> 
remember how Colin said he didn't want any of the staff, he didn't want any gardeners out there while he was out there. And um you get um crazy Pete. He's on uh a ladder and everything and Mary knows who he is and the guy's like oh you're that boy that crippled boy you're gonna die and you're gonna get a blah, blah, blah. it's like dude stop he's kind of like being a damper on their fun it's almost like you can't walk and Colin like wants to for like uh you want to bet here stand me up Mary stand me up Yes, it was Mr. Chestnut. see his legs are shaky because he hasn't really used them that much so but hey he's standing come on buddy you can do it there we go hey you're standing awesome you did it bud Can be cousins and me together, but you're not gonna get married, buddy. <laughs> you can put that dream to bed right now. Billy, 
So yeah, that was really awesome. Uh, the caretaker who's like, oh, you got crooked legs, you're a cripple, you're just like your father. And um, of course, Colin's like, where did you hear that? No one said that. It's like, well, they probably did. Just you never heard anyone say that to your face. Um, but Colin's out to prove the guy wrong. Like, okay, and he starts to stand, and he puts a hand on Dickens' shoulders, and he's kind of supporting him. He's like, he's standing right up, straight, and he's like, look, look, see. And, and even the whole time as he's rising up out of his chair, Mary's like, come on, you can do it. You can, And you can see his legs are kind of shaking because he's never used them before. So he's very unsturdy, but he's standing straight and tall and proud, which is amazing. And of course, after, you know, he wants to show the gardener, like, I did it. I can stand. I'm not a cripple. And he, of course, sits back down because <laughs> it did take a lot of his energy, probably sapped him of some energy to stand up like that. So he has the gardener promise to keep their secret. And the gardener reveals, like, I knew your mother. She only entrusted me to take care of her roses. Wouldn't allow anyone else in here. And even after they shut the garden up, after she passed, I would always come here and take care of things. So it's like, all right, now that you know, you had to keep our secret. He's like, yes, yes, I will keep your secret. I love how he referred to Colin as Sir because, of course, uh, all his father's away. He is the master of the house. So we see them, you know, heading back to the manor. It's like, bye, see you tomorrow, I'll be back tomorrow. Well, it looks like Mary's kind of tending with some gardeny stuff. And Dickon, of course, has had, he's got a baby lamb, only a few days old, just learning how to walk. Just like Colin. See, Colin and the, and the baby lamb have something in common. Rabbits that are like munching on some grass nearby. I want to play this because this is, oh, I just want to hug this little baby lamb so much. Baby steps. He's doing it. Oh, he almost. Oh, oh. There we go. He did it. He did it. You can walk, buddy.
want a baby lamb. Can we get a baby lamb? A duck. Oh, yeah. Dick and found a little baby lamb out by the moor. I'm not sure what the moor is. Um, maybe near the water or something. Um, and he's just saying how the baby's only a few days old. Just learning how to walk. Kind of like Colin. And Colin, of course, is, uh, you know, standing up. And he's, you know, walking, taking a few steps to Mary and then turning around and taking a few steps to Dickon and it's just a celebration because like he's it's like literally he's taking his first steps ever and it's amazing and it's just the garden just bringing this out of him it's like he's mentioning you know the magic like Mary are you doing this she's like no you're doing it and then he brings up the story that she had told him that they are arguing about with the uh, the guy with the whole universe inside him and he's like, it's kind of like it's in here. And she's like, yeah, it is. And, of course, he mentions, excuse me, oh, how, <laughs> you know, he wants to marry her. And she's like, we're cousins. And he's like, I don't care. I want to be with you all the time. It's like, you can be with her all the time. You just, you can't be married to her. That, that, that wouldn't work. So Mary's sleeping. It's dark. And all of a sudden she hears some noise. She's like, are you a ghost? And it's funny because it's like a callback to when she first met Colin and he thought she was a ghost. He's like, no, it's me. And it's like, oh my gosh. You what? He walked all that way to her room. She's got like a California king-size bed there. Woo. And he's like, shh, man, like, I might hear you. And she's like, oh, we wouldn't have to worry about her anymore. She dropped dead at the sight of you walking. She probably would. So he wants to try to find his father. Like, I wish we knew where he was. And it's like, hey, maybe we can get the address from Metlock. Like, I'll have a fit. You, you know, create a distraction and you can go find the address. So Mary mentions about his father having a desk in his office. There's a lot of papers on it. Maybe it's in there. Mary, of course, goes to his office to find the address. And, of course, she's, he's got those dogs in there. Whatever, he, he seriously must want those dogs there to protect whatever he's trying to hide. I don't know. So she found pictures of Colin's mother and probably even her mother. But um, it's a picture of her pregnant with Colin. And she's on that dang swing. Even a picture of Lord Craven with his wife on the swing. And his hair definitely looks shorter there. And they just look so happy and so in love. And it just it just breaks your heart to think that, you know, she died. He's pointing to, you know, her belly. Like, hey, there's me. That was me in her belly. Oh, they're just hanging out. And they're not fighting or arguing or screaming at each other. Just looking at pictures of, you know, his mom. So sweet, they fell asleep in the same bed together. I mean, in '93, this was cute. Now I'd be like, eh. Well, Colin wakes up first and probably has one of those where am I moments, <laughs> and he looks over and sees Mary. And I like how he just like closes his eyes and kind of smiles, like kind of happy, like yeah, like he's made a friend with his cousin and he just he feels comfortable. And then of course he's heading down the stairs before uh, everyone else wakes up. Oh man, is that Matt? Is she looking up there? Oh, shoot. 
Alright, so we got uh, Colin as the photographer here, taking a picture of Mary on the swing, and we got Dickon who's kind of uh, pushing her on the swing, and Colin gets a bit jelly as it's like, okay, Colin, or okay, Dickon, sit on the swing with Mary, now look at each other, and then look at me, and Mary and Dickon only have eyes for each other, and of course... Colin gets jelly. He's like, hey, hey, hey. Of course, it's one of those cameras from, like, the early 1900s. It's got, like, a little pump on it and probably has, what, the smoke or whatever that comes out of it. The camera. Because it's standing on, like, a, a tripod. The kids are having fun. I mean, we thought, you know, he was just walking. Now he's full-on running with Mary in that wheelchair. <laughs> it's just, like, they're having a fun time. Oh, little Billy the Billy Goat and the deer. Okay, so now we have Colin still having to go through the ordeal. He's like, stop all this. I am well. And she's got him covered in like some type of a, a sheet or something. And she's going to put him in some ice, an ice bath for... Because she takes, pulls back the sheet and his legs are all swollen. It's like, because he's never used his legs before. Of course they're going to be swollen because he's using muscles he hasn't used before. And they're underdeveloped. That's how you work up to building muscle. Is by using your legs and testing them out. you got to build up a stamina and endurance over time. Like, that muscle's got to, you know... He's like, why don't you write my father and tell him to come back? And of course... Matlock's all, because I do not believe you're well. Like, oh, give me a break. Oh, your pulse is much too quick. Definite sign of fever in your eyes. Oh, give me a damn break, woman. Got this old-ass geezer man bringing in this ice for an ice bath. It's like, oh my gosh. And of course, he's like, no, I don't want that. And she's like, well, despite what you and your cousin may think, you're still under my care, and your father trusts me to do what is best for you, and that's what I will do. His cheeks definitely look rosier. He's got some color in his face because he's out in the sun. Swollen and red. Well, if you haven't used your legs for 10 years, they're gonna be that when you start using them for the first time. Now he's been freshly bathed. He's in that ice water. Now it's like, you're going to bed. Ugh. Who would want that after having freedom to be put back in your bed again? I did this for 10 years straight. I'm over this. I want to go outside. The sun is out. She says he's to stay in the bed and not go into the gardens. And he's like, can you give me my father's address? I write it myself. And she's like, no, you're not going to do that. He's even being demanding, like, give it to me. And she's like, I've had enough. So she's blaming Mary and the fresh air saying, heaven knows what's happened to you. She's like, you could be clotting. <sighs> oh my gosh. If you're using that circulation machine right, he won't be. And she's all, like, blaming her. Like, oh, she probably turned your chair over. Like, lady, shut your fucking face. We're done with you. I'm over you. I've been over you since the beginning of the movie. I can't stand your ass. I'll, I want to slap your face. So, of course, Metlock is going to take Mary and put her somewhere. Like, keep them apart. Like, he's a very ill little boy. He's like, I've worked too hard and too long to keep him alive. So, what's she going to put her in her room? You know, she can just get out of there, right? Why does she even bother pounding on the door? You know, you can go to your trap door and just leave. Okay, so Mary, Dickon, and Colin are outside in the dark, probably in the garden. They got a little bonfire going. They're going to try to send, like, a smoke signal or some type of telepathical message to Colin's father to have him come 
to back he needs to come home like it's urgent so lord craven is dreaming of his wife and he's like where are you where are you and you see her and she's like i'm in the garden with colin and it's very echoey and he's standing on a cliff i don't know where he is at whether he's at a hotel but there's like people mingling about and he wakes up suddenly clearly at a hotel because we see a bellhop there he's like i must go immediately Yes, you go. You go to your boy. You see him walk for the first time. Granted, everyone, uh, Mary and Dick and, and uh, the gardener are the only ones that have actually seen him walk. So you'll be like the fourth person to see him walk. Well, wait, no. Yes, you will be the fourth person to see him walk. I'm sorry if my voice sounds scratchy because I've been podcasting uh, since like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> it's using my voice over time. It's like... Rrr. So Lord Craven has arrived. Apparently, I I kind of thought this. Does uh, Matlock have a thing for the guy? Because you like, get me out of this apron. I must look my best for him. He's like practically groveling at his at his feet as he's walking up the stairs. You're home, so we weren't expecting you. And it's like, oh, he's in his room. Because he's like, where's my son? He's in his room. Of course, your lordship. Of course, Matlock's like, oh, will you get to the kitchen, you impudent girl? Stop, leave poor Martha alone. Right, so I'm going to play this clip because he is going to tell her off, like, where's my son? He's, you said he was in his room? I don't see him. What, did he escape out the window? Where'd he go? Where's my son? <laughs> where? In the bed? Cause he's not there. <laughs> What's happened? Is it a child, my lord? She's created absolute havoc here. I've tried to control her. She must be sent away, my lord. She'll kill Master Colin. Oh, shut up. Bring me to a room. She has no regard. Here. Just like you said, my someone's in its room. You dumb wine bitch. <coughs> I am surprised he didn't like slap her across the face because I want to. I beg your pardon, my lord. <coughs> Perhaps they're in the garden. <coughs> Do that. <laughs> oh, she's crying. 
Oh, shut up. Shut your face. Yeah, Martha, don't console her. She's a bitch. She deserves to leave. Oh, God. Don't console her. Come on now, Martha. You're better than... Well, she's not. Shut up. So, yeah, like you heard in the clip. She's like, oh, I've had to lock her in. Because he's like, where's my son? He's supposed to be here. And she's like digging in the sheets. Like, oh, he should be here. Where? Because he's not in the bed. Did he climb out the window? So she's like, oh, it's that wretched girl. She has no regard for his health. He's gonna, She's going to kill your son. And, of course, she goes to Mary's room. It's like you lock her in. And she's like, oh, that's how wild she is. I told you you have to send her away. And, of course... Look, Mary, your father's, your father, no, your father's dead, your uncle's here, and of course, it's like, okay, what is going on? I left you in charge. And Martha comes up, like, oh, they may be in the garden, sir. And he's like, what garden? And of course, Matlock's like, oh, it's impossible. I didn't think they're in the garden. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, she's like, oh, I did my best, sir. <laughs> And she's going down the stairs. She's following him like a little lap dog. And he's like, oh, it's, it's a rigid girl. And he finally turns to face like, enough, Medlock. She's just a child. They left you in charge. And of course, she's like, I'll, I'll, I'll resign today. I'll, I'll leave today, sir. Like, and then she's crying, of course, with her big old hanky. And Martha, come on, girl. You don't have to come for this lady. She's been a bitch to everybody. But, of course, that's just Martha. She's just a sweetheart. And, of course, at least, oh, don't touch me. And, of course, she just pats her and, like, uh, oh, no. Okay, now we get to the best part, which is going to be Lord Craven going to the garden and seeing his son standing and walking because they have Collins, you know, they're playing. I don't even, what is the, I can't think of the name. It's like they blindfold him and they're like dancing around him. Dickon and Mary are, and he's like trying to get them or something like that. Like, is that like Marco Polo? I can't remember. Yeah, it's like something like what? Where you in Marco Polo? Don't you close your eyes? You're like, Marco Polo, Marco Polo. Or something, and someone like, or yeah, like someone like call. No, they're saying Marco Marco Polo, and you're trying to figure out where they are with your eyes shut. <laughs> oh, they're swinging him around. Okay, but don't have him fall. He's still. <laughs>
sees the sun. Clearly, that's not Dickon. Dickon is not that tall. Even Dickens crying. Don't become that same sullen girl you were when you first got there. Come on, Mary. Don't do that. Don't run from Dickon. He loves you.
So Colin, of course, thinks it's Dickon, and he puts his hands out, because he's still got the blindfold on, and he's, like, trying to, like, feel, like, his father's shoulders, like, clearly this is not Dickon, because this person is much taller, and he's, like, feeling, like, his face, his, his father's face, his father's, and finally, like, gets up to his forehead, and finally Colin pulls off the blindfold and sees his father, and his his father is just in tears like to see his son finally see his son you know walk and everything and he's like and Colin's just like it worked the magic worked you know they sent that signal and everything for his father to arrive I love how his father like touches his face just cups his, his the side of his face it's like Colin and it's just he's so just happy and grateful just to see his son just one thing that he probably didn't think that his son, you know, thinking his son's ill and he's going to die and, oh, he'll never walk. And, and just to see him out, not just walking, but running around and everything, it's just, like, it's a miracle. Oh, my God. And you see Mary and Dickon, who are, like, a little ways away. And Dick, oh, Dickon is just, his eyes are just watering. He is just bawling at just, this is what everyone hoped would happen but thought it never could but i mean dickon is just it's like he's he's beaming and crying smiling and just crying at the same time happy tears so of course lord craven knows it's the garden that's done all this and colin's like let me show you and he's showing him like different things like there's where the robin's nest is there's these things flowers and what and here is where i learned how to walk like a almost like a baby myself because he's probably talking about that little baby lamb and he takes a few steps kind of unsturdy like he's kind of trying to do a demonstration like this is how it was when I first took my first steps and everything like right here and he like falls into his father's arms and it's just like oh Mary of course I'm trying to get what's going on with Mary she it almost feels like because Colin and his father have been reunited, like, maybe she feels like there isn't a place for me here. Like, I'm not wanted. And she runs away, and Dickens like, Mary, Mary, and she just won't, she's almost like she's putting that wall back up again. And she just kind of goes and sits in the grass, and Colin's calling for Mary, and he points like, oh, she's right over there, and Lord Craven goes out there. And he's like, what are you doing out here? And she's like, because I'm not wanted. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, 
the garden. The garden was unwanted, and he's just saying, you brought my son back to me. That magic was because of you. You brought it, you know, you brought, you know, life into, you know, my son, and just the magic of the garden, everything is just, it's just so sweet. It's like, honey, you are never going to have to, you're never not going to be loved because, like, we're all a family here. You, me, Colin. It's just, it's just so sweet. It's like, he's finally, like, accepted, and he just, he's looking past, like, he no longer sees his wife and her. He sees a young girl that needs a family. And it's just, it's so sweet. And I love how... <clears throat> You know, Mary's happy and everything like that. And, you know, Lord Craven's happy. And Colin comes out and they're all kind of like holding each other in a circle. And it's so sweet. And Dickon, of course, gets on Rainbow Magic, his unicorn that I named. And he heads back to the manor just to let them know Colin and Lord Craven are coming up now. And all, every the entire staff comes out. And it's just, everyone is just beaming and smiling, and it's just beautiful. And Metlock, of course, I don't know whether she's going to actually resign. Maybe she'll stay on. But she and Martha are holding each other, hugging and smiling at this this miracle of, because they haven't seen Colin walk either, and it's just this miracle. Real quick, uh, going back to Lord Craven and Mary's conversation, how he says, you brought us back to life, Mary. It's like, you, you're right. I never wanted to see the garden again. And she's like, you never wanted to see Colin. He's like, yeah, you brought us to life. Thank you. And he's like, you did something I thought no one could do. And he's like, don't be afraid. I won't shut it up again. And she's crying and he's crying. It's just beautiful. She hugs him. Oh my gosh, it's so sweet. I love this movie. It's very visually visually beautiful and it's just the message and all of it is so beautiful i'm kind of wondering how the um i saw a trailer for the new one and a lot of it's just a lot of cgi and it just i think they really get a little overboard with the match based on the trailer the magic just looks uh you're relying too much when they when a movie relies so much heavily on cgi whether this might be a disney film kind of like alice in wonderland did with all of the the over the top CGI and just a movie doesn't need all that flash and galore to make it a good movie. If you're relying so much on special effects and CGI that you're just leaving out the joy and beauty, the inner beauty of the story, it's like then what's the point? And that's just yeah, it's like Martha and, and like I said, Martha and Matlock and everyone is just all the staff, they're there at the windows, seeing Lord Craven walking with Mary and Colin walking. It's just, it's beautiful. Everyone's, oh, there's the gardener. He's standing behind Martha. Oh, it's so sweet. Everyone's got tears in their eyes. It's beautiful. I love how Colin, like, grabs his father's cane and runs off with it. It's cute. We see Mary in the garden. She's found a little flower in the pond and she explains how the spell was broken that's how her uncle learned to laugh and i learned to cry that's right because she was crying she was feeling that emotion and 
She says how the secret garden is always open now. Open and awake and alive. She says if you look the right way, you can see that the whole world is a garden. We see Dickon riding Rainbow Magic the Unicorn out in the fields. And that's the movie. You see the credits come up. It's beautiful. Oh, this is like the song, but it's got lyrics to it. Someone's singing. Oh, it's beautiful. Alright, that's my review of the movie The Secret Garden from 1993. I hope that you enjoyed it. Now I'm going to read one 10 out of 10 user review and then I'm going to look for one that's like a 1 out of 10 or a 2 out of 10. Just kind of like say what they have to say. <laughs> so this one's a 10 out of 10. It was published on July 7th, 2001 entitled An Utter Delight. This movie is an utter delight to watch. I have probably seen it a dozen times, and I never get tired of it. Everything about it is perfect. It's well-directed, well-acted, and beautifully filmed. It has great music, and the script and story are wonderful. The director does an outstanding job directing this film. Each character is separate and unique. Each one has little personality quirks that makes it seem real. Just about every scene in the movie includes children, animals, or both, which must have been a nightmare to coordinate. Miss Holland pulls it off without a hitch. Everything melds perfectly, and we are transported to a distant place in time and fall in love with real human characters. The primary characters in this story, excuse me, oh, it's after midnight, um, Mary Lennox, Colin Craven, and Dickon are all children, played by actors who are around 10 years old. Ordinarily, having one child in a movie is difficult enough, but again, somehow they pull it off. All three kids, especially Kate Maberly, do a fine job of acting, and they are quite credible. Kate is simply divine as Mary Lennox, and Hayden Prowse was a good counterpoint to her as Colin. The story is touching and charming, and I think you'd have to be almost inhuman not to have a tear in your eye by the end of it. I absolutely fell in love with these children and came to care very much about their characters. The secret garden really does seem to be a magical place, and I will say no more about it, since otherwise that would spoil things. And at the end, I found myself wishing I could go and visit it firsthand. The accompanying music is wonderful. I find myself humming it for days and days after watching it. In short, everything comes together to make this film a masterpiece. It is easily one of the 10 or 12 best movies ever made, perhaps the best movie ever made. I love it so much that I went out and bought the DVD of it, even though I'd seen it eight or 10 times already. If you have not seen it, I give it my highest possible recommendation. My score, 10 out of 10. I love this review. I'm glad I chose this one because I, lo I just love everything about what this person is saying. They're not wrong in my eyes. So I didn't really see too many reviews that are like a one or a two. So I'm just going to go into the trivia. The tapestries in Mary's room comprise a cycle known as the hunt for the unicorn. In this cycle, the unicorn is lured from the wild and into a new life by a young virgin foreshadowing Mary's role in the film. Yes, she definitely did indeed change from her time in India to coming to England and just being at Mistlethwaite, but I think the garden and Dickon and even, you know, Colin is what kind of transformed her. Made The garden especially made her care for something and really started... Even, even Martha started to bring out, like, a smile in Mary. The corridor leading to Colin Craven's room and the interior of the room are decorated with tapestries depicting Edward, it says V.I., I can't tell what that is, six, I don't know, a sickly 
boy king who died young at the age of 16. Well, that's sad. So the biggest challenge for production designer Stuart Craig was the garden. The garden was built from scratch to avoid logistical nightmare of crowd control that would have been required for a com complicated summer and winter shoot in the in an existing garden. Kate Maberly wore a wig throughout this movie as she had short hair when she was cast. Well, I remember in the Langoliers movie, she did have, like, just, like, an inch or so below her ears, short hair. <laughs> and the hair did definitely look like a wig after him, now that I think about it. Okay, so here's the story that she was telling Colin. The story that Mary Lennox mentions to Colin Craven while they are putting a puzzle together is the story of Krishna, a Hindu god. Elijah Wood was turned down for the role of Colin Craven. You know, Elijah Wood is an amazing actor, and I don't, I mean, I think he would have done well, but the whole tantrum thing, I just, Elijah Wood doing that was like, uh, I don't think so. So in Barnett's book, The Secret Garden, she wrote The Secret Garden. It is Mary's father who is related to Colin's mother. Also, they're not, they were not twins. I have the book. I haven't read it yet, but I definitely want to do that. In the original book and earlier versions of the movie, as well as a Broadway musical version, the parents of Mary Lennox died during a cholera epidemic. This is historically accurate, as there was a devastating outbreak of cholera between 1817 and 1820, which was at the height of the British colonial period in India. So clearly it took place in 1800. John Lynch was cast at the last minute after the actor who was originally cast as Lord Archibald Craven pulled out. I wonder who was originally cast. Kirsten Dunst auditioned for the role of Mary Lennox. So this would have been, what, at least a year before she was in Little Women? Um, I'm not sure. Was this a year that she was in, um, what's that movie? Um, 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 um. I'm trying to think about Interview with a Vampire. Did you play like an 11-year-old vampire or something like that? So this was the theatrical debut of Hayden Prowse, who played Colin Craven. Aside from a few shorts, he hasn't acted in anything ever since. This movie features two actresses who have played the character Wendy from the Peter Pan movies. Dame Maggie Smith in Hook, 1991, which I recently covered for the podcast, and Kate Maberly in Finding Neverland. She was in Finding Neverland? That's another movie I actually just got a request to cover that, and I plan to do that sometime at this point. I just, I have a lot of things I want to do for the summer, so. Uh, excuse me. Oh, goodness, where are you at? Oh, blah, 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 blah. In the novel, Mary's parents died from cholera, and Mrs. Medlock discovers Mary has met Colin during her first visit to his room. Really? Okay, well, that's the trivia. Are there any goofs? Uh, this is someone just kind of pointing out, um, I, I don't know how, what you, if you, this isn't even a goof. If Colin had really spent his entire life in his bed and had never walked, his muscles would have been severely atrophied, and it would require years of therapy to rebuild them. He definitely would not have been able to walk as well as he does at the end of the movie if he had just started walking oh, at most two months before. Uh, acronyms. When Mary first meets Colin, she enters his room. She's holding an oil lamp. The oil lamp, however, has a light bulb, not a wick, and flame. Really? Well... When Colin throws a temper, this is continuity, when Colin throws a temper tantrum after being exposed to an open window, the camera returns to focus on Colin for reaction shots several times during the argument. 
and some shots he's dry and his face is pale and others he's flushed and sweaty. In the final scene, while Mary, Dickon, and Colin are playing Blind Man's Bluff, okay, so that's the game they were playing, I didn't know that, that was like some version of uh, Marco Polo. Uh, Colin discovers his father in the garden with them. The blindfold which Colin has pulled up on his head like a headband changes, disappears when the camera is looking over Colin's shoulder. Factual errors. If Colin had really spent... Okay, I just read that. Why are they putting it on there twice? I don't know. Oh, this is the song that played at the end. Winter Light. Produced by... George Massenberg and Linda... Linda Ronstadt. Okay, so that's who... Okay. Yeah, cool. Linda Ronstadt. I know her. Well, not personally, but I know her music. So, yeah. This was the, like I said, this is the review. I really enjoyed this movie. I love it. It's just so good. And I hope you guys enjoyed the review. As always, while we're at this, still at this stay-at-home quarantine. So stay home. If you need to go out, just wear your mask. I know I hate it too. Um, stay safe and stay positive. We will get through this. Hopefully soon, because I am ugh, I am ready to want to go back to my job so I can make earn a living. I mean, I love podcasting. Don't get me wrong, but I am just I'm ready to like. I think everyone's ready to get back to normal. I am really I'm just ready for it. I and I'm really tired. Well, it's like almost 12.30 in the morning, and I've been working out of this since, gosh, what was it, 7.30, 8 o'clock tonight, so, yeah, but, all right, everybody, I will be back with something else for you this week for the podcast, but enjoy this review in honor of Earth Day. Bye-bye.